Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? And welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, March 17th, 2021. Happy St. Paddy's Day, everybody. Have I got a present for you. Oh, my Lord, this is such a special episode. It features the legendary DJ producer duo, Ghetto Blaster. I had so much fun sitting down with Zach and Paul and getting their full story. These guys have been in the game for years and are some of the most respected guys in the house music world. Truly legends. It was an honor to have him on the show. And in episode 152, we got it all in. We discussed Chicago and Detroit's musical influence on a global scale. Paul hails from Chi-Town and Zach is from D-Town and they both have deep-rooted understandings and appreciation for the role that these two incredible cities have played for electronic music. We had an awesome discussion on how Chicago house music and Detroit techno have created a culture that has spread across the entire globe. We also talked about the journey of Ghetto Blaster. I learned very quickly that no one tells a story or even has stories like these guys. Ghetto Blaster was formed in 2014 with one goal in mind, to make an impact like no group has done before. I don't want to ruin any surprises, guys. You're going to have to tune in for this part because they have some incredible stories to tell. And we, of course, talked about Ghetto Blaster's discography. I'm not even sure where to start here. They've released well over 100 tracks, including originals, remixes, and collaborations. And they've released on some of the biggest labels in the world, like Defected, Dirty Bird, Confession, Psycho Disco, Basement Leak, and more. They've also collaborated with some of the most influential OGs in house music, like Chippy, Steve Silk Hurley, and DJ Dion. Oh yeah, did I mention they have their own label called We Jack? Need I say more? I also really enjoyed a conversation we had on staying true to your sound. Paul and Zach's passion for music is truly inspiring. They are influenced by tons of various genres and draw inspiration from people and places you would never think of. It's pretty simple. They make the music they love and constantly go outside the box but still maintain that Ghetto Blaster sound. This was a really special interview for many reasons. It was filled with entertaining and raunchy stories, don't say I didn't warn you valuable pieces of advice, and some of the realest conversations I've had yet on Sherman the Booth. These guys are legends. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Zach, for making the time to come on the show. I am counting down the seconds until we can party together. And I guess I'm also counting down the seconds until the week-long hangover that's going to follow, but it's going to be worth it, boys. Let's get into it right now so you can hear the story for yourselves. This is episode 152 with Ghetto Blaster. Ladies and gentlemen, we got the fucking Ghetto Blaster boys in the building. What's good? What's good? Yes. Paul, Zach, thank you guys. Like I told you, I got my fucking Detroit movement shirt on right now. I'm in Chicago. So I guess I'm like a, a version of you guys in, in a younger way, right? Oh, I love it. Oh, I think we're the same age. Yeah, we're the same age. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. My What's gosh, good, man. 
Dude, it is such a pleasure to have you guys on. Like I said, I, I've been a big fan for a while, a few years, like since I came to Chicago, because you guys, you made such a big impact here. Um, with, Where are you from originally? I'm from Indiana, grew up in Indiana. Oh, so, dude, I went to high school in Indiana, and then I moved to Chicago later. Really? Where'd you go to high school in Indiana? I went to Highland High School, Northwest Indiana. Highland, I've heard of that. Yeah, I went to uh, Zionsville outside Indianapolis. Oh, so, okay, I was two hours north. I was, like, about 30 minutes from Chicago by Munster, Sheridan. Yeah, I think I played you guys in sports or lacrosse or something. Oh, yeah, probably. You guys were good at lacrosse. We were better at basketball. Yeah, we sucked at basketball. We're yeah, we were really good. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana, though, okay, there we go. Dude, for sure. 100%. Midwest guys at heart, though, right? Zach, where are you from originally? Detroit. Grew up? Yep. And then moved to Grand Rapids later on. So. But a Michigan guy. Yeah, I've lived, actually, I've lived in Chicago, Minneapolis, New York. I've been a few places. <laughs> Where's your favorite place so far? Uh, New York was pretty cool, man. New York City proper? Yeah. Gosh, that's quite the place I mean, to live. Yeah, it's just everything going on. That was busy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I just appreciated that, you know. For sure. I grew up in Indiana. Then I, after high school, I ended up in Chicago because I was DJing relentlessly. And then the rave scene became a huge thing. And I was a huge part of the rave scene. I threw some of the biggest parties in Chicago, which we don't really talk about because we're like in club land and festival land area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back then it was called raves. And we had, I threw some of the craziest raves with some buddies of mine. And then I moved to Colorado later. I spent seven years in Colorado. And from Colorado, we started Ghetto Blaster remotely. I was in Colorado. He was here in Grand Rapids. Really? And uh, we just got to a point where it was one of these things where I had some crazy life shit happen to me in Colorado. So, like, I was ready for a change, even though I really like Colorado. Mm -hmm. And it was hard to run a group because he had never really been a full-on touring DJ before. Right. I, I had already been to over a hundred countries by this time in my own career. Like, like my own 2013, career. this was? Well, I'm talking like between 2000 and 2013. Right, you know? right, for you. But Ghetto yeah. Blast started in 2014, right? Yeah, we yeah. started in 20, the end of 2014. Well, probably the beginning of many, middle of 2014, but we didn't actually pull the trigger until the end of 2014. So how did you guys meet then originally? He used to be a rave promoter. He yeah. used to book me. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, yeah, way back in the day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So where, so was, we, where was the first show? That was this Chicago. The first show you booked me at was that in Kalamazoo. Yeah. Cal yeah. Kalamazoo, yeah. college town. Yeah. 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 I, I think your partner in the party. I think his partner was like, "Yo, dude, my mom is getting a sound violation if you don't turn it down." I'm like, "Fuck her, she's going to jail." <laughs> <laughs> and, and his partner's mom went to jail because yeah. I fuck, I wouldn't turn it down. I was like, hey. Jesus, ball. <laughs> I turned it up. I think. <laughs> If you ain't redlining, you ain't headlining, baby. Oh, there you go. Get that tattoo. He was solid. He didn't look like his little lights were just on. It's a great yeah. start to a friendship then. Yeah, wow. that was way better. And we stayed friends the whole time. Yeah. It was just like, there was, there were, like I said, I had a life-changing experience. Zach went through one as well. But specifically at that moment, I was pretty heavily on tour, and I just took a break. Yeah. I, one of my really close friends passed away and it just kind of stunned me for a minute and I just needed a break. I was doing a lot of stuff in the music industry I wasn't really excited about. Somehow I got put, I was doing electro and I had, I mean, at one point I probably had 17 records at the top 100 on laid back Luke's label, on ultra recordings, on all the, all the cool electro labels. Right. And 
it got to the point where I started getting pushed into this corner because the electro is looking for the 18 year old kid, which I'm not the 18 year old kid. So yeah. I'm not the Martin Garrix, the, the model looking dude. I mean, I'm a good looking fat guy, but I'm not like model or stud in your own right. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So it's like, I didn't fit that mold. So they started pushing me as to being a ghost writer mm. and I ghost wrote for a lot of people. And that it was good and very lucrative. I made some serious money doing that. Yeah. I, mean, I definitely got paid to shut my mouth, so I'm not going to talk about who I ghost wrote for. But there's yeah. plenty of people you know, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, long story short, um, I saved up quite a bit of money, and I was I told Zach, I go, yo, man, I I allotted ten thousand dollars to completely blow on cover charges in Miami. So let's go to Miami for the conference. And I'm not going to take no for an answer. Remember, we went to space, and I fucking gave the guy a thousand. Yeah. It sold out. I go. Here's another hundred. No, nope, sold out. I go, here's two more. So you gave the dude a thousand bucks and he was like, you still got to pay cover. And we left 10 minutes later. We left 10. <laughs> I just went in to give fucking Mark and I the demo and I left. <laughs> oh my God. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, literally. I didn't give a fuck, man. But it, but it was one of those things where like after doing electro and trap, you know, I've had number ones in every genre of music. And at that time I was number one with a dead mouse remix, a trap remix. I was number one. I had taken, taken Skrillex out of the top 100. Yeah, 40. What was your name? 40 ounce? The 40 ounce profits. <laughs> yeah, that's legit. Yeah, yeah and I took, uh, I took Skrillex out of the number one spot and I stayed in the top 100 for 370 some days. Jesus. So it, it was a really long running top 100. And uh, yeah, long story short, I, dude, I was like, fuck, I'm going to be stuck being a trap DJ. This sucks. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm a househead, bro. Like, I, I couldn't do it. So. I was like, let's go to all the parties. So we went to trap parties, electro parties, house parties. We went to everything you could possibly do in Miami. And me and mm -hmm. Zach ended up at uh, DJ Sneak's house gangster party. Yep. And my buddy Felix, the house cat, was just fucking rinsing it. And we looked at each other. I go, what do you think? He was like, I don't know. What do you think? I go, well, the port and chicken guys asked me to play at 11-11. Let's go there. Let's talk some more. So <laughs> I was supposed to play a trap set at, at, at the 11-11 rooftop party for Orville and Dom. Yep. And I looked at him. I go, I'm going to fuck these people up. He's like, what? I fucking, I played the percolator. I said, fuck them. I'm switching it up. No one did. And I fucking ripped the crowd into shreds, dude. Like, Place I was, went off. yeah, it went off. It scratched and played that bad boy. Bill was there. Paul Oakenfold was there. It was lit. Wow. And I looked at him. I go, hey, we're going to start a house in techno group. You want to do something together? Let's do this. And I go, we're going to call ourselves Ghetto Blaster because no dude will wear a shirt that says Paul or Zach. Yeah. But they'll wear a shirt that says <laughs> Ghetto Blaster. Always thinking about marketing before anything. You know what I mean? Because like, think about that. Would you wear a Johnny Glow Stick shirt or would you wear a Ghetto Blaster shirt? Fucking Ghetto Blaster, dude. I feel like raw when I say the name. I feel like I'm up to no good. Like, we're going to a Ghetto Blaster show. Like, shit's going <laughs> to That's awesome. Shit's going to go hard. That's Hell it. Yeah. And, and the, the idea, I mean, there was a lot of ideas behind the name, but I wanted it to be something that was something recognizable that everyone could relate to. Yeah. But I couldn't believe it. We, we, we searched and searched. I could not believe there wasn't a fucking ghetto blaster. I couldn't yeah. believe there was not a group <laughs> called ghetto blaster. Yeah. So then I, I said, we should probably spell it different though, because we don't want people to think we're ghetto. Right. Even though we do a lot of booty house, but that's just. Gotta be careful. Of course. Yeah, Marketing like 101 again. Yeah, yeah, ghetto. We want we wanted to make it so not every time you search us, a boombox doesn't pop up. It okay. had to be a little bit more of a you know, like like Dead Mouse used the five just yep. to have search optimization. It made sense gotcha. to do ghetto blaster without an H. Yeah, hundred percent. So that was kind of like how we started. It was yeah. just like on a whim, and he came to Colorado for a week, <clears throat> and we banged out an EP, 
put it out and our first EP got reviewed by Shiba-san, got played by Laurent Garnier, got played by Patrick Topping, which we didn't even know yet. We, I didn't even know who he was. I had no clue who Patrick Topping was. And he was like, yo, man, Patrick Topping's playing our record. Who the fuck's that? He's on the cover of Mixmag and his favorite record. <laughs> his favorite record this year, his number one out of his top 10 is ours. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> That's who Patrick is. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, stupid me, I was coming out of the EDM world. So I was relearning the underground. I didn't understand like who was who. I knew the classic names like the Derek Carters, the DJ Sneaks. Right. But I wasn't sure who the new guys were. I knew, I knew Jamie Jones and Lee Foss, oddly, because I knew Lee Foss before he was Lee, big Lee Foss. He was Lee right. Foss resident at Spy Barn. Like, yeah, I remember that. So, like, for me, it was an interesting era to, like, relearn everything and to find out that some of the biggest dudes in the game bought our first EP. Like, yeah. just bought it. Yeah, because we didn't have a promo service at that time or anything like no, that. No, not that. It was all DIY. We just put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Grassroots guerrilla relationship marketing. And it's funny. I think these days with just major labels and labels in general, right? The big ones, like you think you have to release on a big label to get your your brand out there, to get your music out there. You got to leverage your friends and your network more than ever these days because the oversaturation of, of social media, of so much music and stuff, people don't know what to trust. And you know what they do trust? Their friends' advice, their friends' recommendations. And yeah. I'm seeing that shit full circle. Like you guys are not the only ones that are saying this that are OGs in the game. You got to literally... <laughs> slide into DMs. You got to literally email people. You got to network. You got to spend a thousand dollars to get into space to give Mark nine USB. You got to do whatever you got to do exactly. to get yourself out there. Right. Oh, it's a nonstop puzzle, bro. Like, uh, like this guy fucking laughs at me because like, I'll literally take a booking on my phone in my sleep, wake up and forget that we took a booking and a deposit. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck dude. We got a gig next yeah, week. Yeah. I forgot. We got paid for this shit. I tickets. forgot, bro. Like, we already got, we got to go. Like, thank God we have an agent for that now. But there's been moments where I've taken bookings in my fucking sleep. Like, literally not even realizing it. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Amazing. So, Jesus. Man, it's interesting, man. Especially with all the labels. Like, it takes more, like, like right now, we're number one on B-Port. 25 people were involved in that project. It wasn't just, like, a project that just happened. Like, it was like, right. oh, put it on a label. Let's promoted it's like now i'm a firm believer of pre-pre-release pre-release release right now where we're at the momentum is still climbing and then there's going to be the after release what do we do after this huge record you know right I mean? follow it up you, you have to you have to have a timeline of what you're doing with everything you know what i mean and if you don't then you're just some guy throwing fucking darts at a dartboard with, and hoping wishing something, you yeah hoping something sticks yeah, yeah. Did you guys always do that all along? Have you, have you made your fair share of mistakes with releases? I mean, not with Ghetto Blaster. I did that with Paul Anthony, hardcore. I put out 800 singles. 800? At least. Remixes, singles, collaborations, rem all all the way around about 800 total. Jesus, talk about pumping the fucking market, though. That's, how you, yeah. that's a good way to get your name out there. I mean, so, that is. I mean, definitely when you have... I mean, what we do with Ghetto Blaster is very similar, but at a smaller scale, is we, we try to have tracks not necessarily songs so we could be on everyone's usb like to right. me that, that to me like that's an angle that a lot of people can't even play most managers like yo yo one record every six weeks that's cool while you're only on some flash drives i'm on all flash drives yeah and it seems like people want new music consistently you know what i mean so releasing more music for us is like opened up a lot of doors too every manager in the game is told to slow down releases i'm like yeah all right dude that's like my success formula 
it works just keep putting yeah. it out and i you brought up a really interesting topic there's this line of releasing electronic music these days there's streamable how many streams am i getting on spotify there's playable how many djs are going to put this on the usb and then there's a combination of both which you guys have done a spectacular job of and Thank you me. have tracks that have incredible streaming success they sell really well on beatport i mean you just have beatport number one right now you got people got to buy your track it's not just like oh i'm going to share it. it's going to play it's going to get on playlists and i think that's what really really separates you guys from the competition and how you've been able to grow so much and for, for anyone that wants to know the secret, if you they pretty much got to watch this interview because I've never really said this before, is okay. like anytime we release something on our label, We Jack, we put it on SoundCloud for free. We just enable the download link and we don't tell anybody. And if you find it, it's a gem. You, yeah. you get a free record. You ain't got to pay for it because I'm a firm believer that like, especially in pandemics or in college when you don't have a lot of money to spend on music, why the fuck am I going to deprive you from having a track if you want it? Like, I make my money somewhere, bro. Like people who shop on Beatport don't go to SoundCloud or don't rely on SoundCloud. People on SoundCloud don't go to Beatport, vice versa with all these different sites. People have their chosen way of getting music. And if you can't afford it, I still want you to have my music. Yeah, get as many hands as we can. Yeah, absolutely. SoundCloud is still such a powerful tool. I think it certainly has had its ups and downs, but sure. it's mm -hmm. where DJs go to find new music too. 100%. I, I think blowing up off SoundCloud is rare these days because yeah. numbers are fabricated very easily. Right. So it's like, yeah, that's not a really way to blow up, but it's a way to get noticed for sure. It is a way to get noticed for sure. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. There is a big difference. And that's good advice too for people out there. Like I love going SoundCloud mining. You got to go deep sometimes, but man, you find a diamond in the rough and it's like nobody else has got this. You guys know you've released so much music. Like you want to play Bandcamp for the same thing too. Bandcamp's really cool for that too. But yeah, the only issue I have with Bandcamp, if I had to like knock it, I would say that searching for shit's really hard. Yeah, like you got to know what the fuck you're looking for to find it on Bandcamp. But mm. if you know, you're gonna find records you're never gonna find anywhere else. That's for sure. That's true. That's what you got to do. I mean, how much are you guys missing shows right now? I, I don't. I don't even think I can wait to ask this question because you oh. guys are incredible live. I got to tell you a quick story. So I played at North Coast 2018. It's the first festival I've ever played. I walk okay. into the festival and, you know, I just kind of trying to trying to keep it cool, right? I'm playing. I'm nervous as fuck. I'm like a little little guy. I'm playing at the silent disco, right? And I'm just like so nervous. Oh, and sure. I walk in and I get there early and you guys are playing. Not early. I, I got there early to kind of cool down. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go over and watch this set because you guys were banging a fucking set. Oh, I see no. Paul scratching. I see Zach going crazy on stage. I see Dom Brown going crazy and everybody else behind stage. And I'm like, whoa. And you guys literally, whether you knew it or not, you took me out of like this nervous mental state of mind. And I just felt like I was with you guys partying. And yeah, I, I went and played like right after. And ever since then, I'd heard of you before. Ever since then, I've been following you guys and trying to see every time you come to play live in Chicago or wherever I can. And geez, I mean, I just can't imagine how much you guys miss it judging on how much I miss seeing your shows. Oh, totally. Man. I mean, one of the biggest things I can say, I mean, I mean obviously we, we had a full on tour schedule cancel when this was going on. Like we had yeah. just finished probably 25 dates and had 30 more to go on our tour at the time. Literally like when things got shut down that Monday, we had <laughs> just got our tickets for Miami. Oh yeah. Same. We, I was going to go first time last year. So sad. Yeah, so we were going to Miami on Tuesday, playing a show Wednesday, going to Denver Thursday, going South by Southwest Friday, coming back to play the dirty bird party at space in Miami. Saturday, oh! 
Saturday playing, uh, I forgot the name of the club, but we were doing a, a party for Shiva-san's basement. Mm -hmm. we, no, no, no. It was, I forgot. It was, it was def the Delano. We were playing the oh, Delano yeah, yeah. with, uh, I think it was opening Tim Baresco, Mason Maynard, Proc and Fitch, Shiva-san, and we were closing for Shiva-san. <laughs> We had we had meetings lined up all that next morning, and then we were supposed to go to I want to say L.A. the next day, and then we were supposed to head out to Amsterdam two days later, and then start a European tour, and then come back, and then I think we, I think we were actually headed to Taipei, yeah. China, Japan, and all that shit got canceled. Yeah. I mean, thank God. <laughs> like, can you imagine being stuck here during the beginning? Of this year? Yeah, that would have been pretty bad timing. <laughs> And the best part is I think we got paid for some of it, but that's about it. <laughs> like, you guys would have been hilarious walking around China and shit, though. I can't wait to see you guys walking around compared to everybody else. Oh, dude, the first time I was in Japan, I was like, I, I remember putting my arm around the promoter. You know what I love about your country? Like, like I got the biggest dick here. <laughs> <laughs> your dick's bigger than some of them, like their height. <laughs> that's true i'll never at the time well i'm i'm like 230 right now but i was about 400 pounds at the time and i'll never forget going to big and tall to buy a shirt and i had to duck down in the door <laughs> <laughs> oh like, this is big and tall and i don't even fit in the fucking door are you serious right now this is ridiculous <laughs> like stort little compared to you how tall are you paul i'm 6'3 <laughs> you are a fucking force to be reckoned with man <laughs> So yeah, we we definitely are upset that everything got shut down. But you know, we, we I remember that I don't know if you remember this, but I was like, "Yo, the world got shut down. We we just had a sold out show with us and Shiva-san here in town." Yeah. I go, "We need to fucking have a meeting." And he was like, "All right, what do we do?" I was like, "I don't know. This has never happened before." <laughs> <laughs> I go, "But right now, we need to come up with an idea." And we had a manager, sadly, rest in peace to Dimitri Dewitt. He was our manager in oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Netherlands. He, uh, we had a meeting with him and us, and we were talking about, you know, like a lot of these big managers were telling everyone, hold back your releases, don't put out records. I was like, dude, people aren't fucking deaf. Now that they're locked in their house, they're going to be listening more than ever. Yep. So I was like, we're not going to stop shit because we haven't crossed the finish line yet. We're not, we're not $20,000 acts yet. So I go, fuck yeah. that. We're not stopping anything. We're going to, we're going to put out all our records. Yep. So while everyone was stutter stepping what they should do, we were fucking hammering. We had a release come out on Patrick Topping's label with a remix from Patrick Topping. Yep. We had a release come out on Shiva-san's Basement League label. We had one on Defected. We had one on Confession. We had one on Dirty Bird. We had Desert, Hard. Desert Hearts, Glitterbox, DFTV, Rothentic, Carlo Leo. It gets year ever for you guys, 2020. Every label that we wanted to be on during this pandemic, we yeah. hit them all. Like, yeah. And we were supposed to be touring. We set this up so... We didn't have to make music on the road. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So like that was the idea. So, it, and then it was funny because I love social media. Like I, I love it. Like I love Snapchat. I like being fucking weird. You are so funny on social media, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I just felt like I was like, dude, we should do a fucking live stream. Like I, no one was doing them yet. So yeah. we, we did one on Facebook and it was funny because it was the most fucking jank one you could think of. Like <laughs> we did it from our phone. You can see the cord from the phone to the equipment. <laughs> yeah. It's still on. It's still up. We had 26,000 views on our first stream. We were like, see, we should be fucking streaming, dude. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we, before streaming, I think became like a serious thing. Like Boiler Room was doing it, but he had come to visit me in Denver. We had just started Ghetto Blaster 
And we decided to do like something like what you're doing. Like you're interviewing us. Yeah. So we're like, well, let's get on Facebook live and let's interview each other. We'll talk about news and music. Yeah. 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 So we started talking and I was like, every time you motherfuckers share this, let's do a shot. We're doing shot, shot. So we, we mind you, it was banana schnapps. So, oh my god! Oh, Zach. Oh, <laughs> so, so by, by the end of this, this guy still is having a hard time swallowing. But I mean, he's good at swallowing bananas. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? The flavor. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to plug his nose when he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're fine. But yeah, but the thing is, though, is like every time someone would share it, it got to the point where we couldn't even do as many shots because too many people were sharing it. We ended up with a couple thousand views at that on our first one. Wow. And by the end, we were so fucking wasted. I was like, we should do this again, but now we're drunk. <laughs> like fucking wasted. So I was like, we need to do this proper. I went and got this dude a helmet. I put a helmet on him. <laughs> so, and that, so we broke the ice with live streaming a long time ago. So I, I Instantly, I went into like, you know, well, if people can't see us at shows, well, let's fucking live stream. Fuck it. Yep. And then Twitch became a thing shortly after. And, and then Facebook kept on cracking down. Not oh, on yeah. us, but was- not on us because we play a lot of our own music, but other people, we started seeing like people were steering away from us when Twitch started being yeah. pop. I think we got cracked down on once, maybe. Yeah. Or I think he just deleted it and doesn't wants to blame it on Facebook. <laughs> I think that's more what happened. That is a good story. <laughs> I mean, props to you guys again because I think a lot of people waited a while to like come up with a plan sounds like you guys decided basically first two weeks we've got to stay relevant we've got to go outside the box we've got to try new things we've got to put music out 100 percent. did you guys like i mean a lot of this music i assume was already ready to go right for 2020 everything that like about 80 percent of what was released was already ready to go so we were six months ahead on releases music-wise. That's huge. So all things considered, is a bit of a blessing in disguise because you're able to focus on music. You guys probably have so much in the fucking piggy bank right now. Did I wrote 100, f- me and him wrote 130 tracks last year. Jesus, unbelievable, guys. I mean, almost a track every two days. Sometimes I would do four in a day. Sometimes he would go on vacation and come back. I'm like, yo, I finished five. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what, else am I, what else am I going to do, man? You only like jerk off so much. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? totally. Three times a day, max. Dude, yeah, max yeah. before your dick gets raw. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> or you go blind. <laughs> or go blind, though. I have never yeah, four times off. you go blind, man. You got to be careful with that. God did not intend for it to go that many times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. are, are you money shotting yourself? How does this go blind? <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out. On the fourth time, this is Zach. He's like, all right, I can do one more. One more. <laughs> one more banana. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine jerking off four times while we're on that subject. Yeah. No, that's probably There's nothing that excites me that much. Yeah. We'd have to get Steve in on that interview, man. We we can't do him dirty like that. You know, he probably wants I to do four Steve watching. Yeah, no, Steve. Steve, yeah, he actually has been watching this whole time, guys. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> do it. So did you guys feel like you were producing differently in the studio, knowing that if I release a track, I don't know how long I can play it or how long till I can play it live. Did your process change at all? I think the, the, the goal with Ghetto Blaster goes a little deeper than that. Like the, the, the plan for Ghetto Blaster from the beginning, again, because of previous careers was, yeah. it, was it was when we first decided to Ghetto Blaster, we were having a meeting in Amsterdam with, with the guy who managed us that passed away and Steve Silkerly, the guy who made Jack Your Body, one of the original gold records of house music. Mm-hmm. And Steve was telling me how he thinks I'm a prolific producer and was a fan of mine. And I was like, dude, I'm a fan of yours. He was like, what makes you a fan of mine? I was like, well, you made Jack Your Body and 32 years later, people are still playing it. 
I go, so my goal for Ghetto Blaster is to make records that don't fade. So when I produce a record, the idea is to have really long shelf life. Yeah. Whether it hits, you know, the charts or not, that doesn't matter. The fact is, 10 years from now, I can come back to my very first Ghetto Blaster record and I'm going to want to play it still. I love that. A lot of thought goes into it. You know, it's it's not just like people think tracks, but they're stripped down for a reason. I don't go into a track thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? I know exactly what I'm going to do when I go into it. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I fucking love that response too. I wish everybody thought about their brand like that. Just trying to put something out that's going to leave a mark, that's going to make an impact. That's why I did this podcast. Like, I enjoy it so much. Just like, if only us three had this conversation and nobody else even watched it because they were like, fuck Sherm, fuck Ghetto Blaster, whatever. I had so much fun with this. And I know that... We all had a good time and it's going to make an impact in the future. So I resonate with that 150 Realistically, you look back at all the shit that's happened in the world, man. It's like, just like people die, but the music, these videos, they'll never die. And yep. people have to fucking hear my annoying words till I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm past that. I hope. Yep. I love that though. It was really nails on the chalkboard for people. I'm like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Thirty years later, fuck him. Fuck a banana, bro. That's what I want. Well, we'll be we'll be telling your stories forever, man. I'll, I'll guarantee you that. I don't Unreal, see though. So, something I really want to talk to you guys about, and you mentioned it in a little bit. You know, someone like Steve Silk Hurley, right? Like all of these legends, Chicago, Detroit. They're the foundations of house music. And I, I watched this great documentary. You guys have probably seen it. I can't remember what it's called but it interviews everybody who was in the Chicago scene and it gets some of the Saunderson guys in there and really tells the story. And I have a younger brother. He's three years younger than me, right? I'm 28. He's 25. Past couple of years, he's gotten a lot more into house music, like a lot of millennials, like a lot of Gen Zers, right? Thanks to Chris Lake. Thanks to Fisher, right? Like all due respect to everybody that's pushing things forward. I think it's important that we know where the roots came from, who actually started this shit. And right. you mentioned some OGs here. And I think it's so cool. Paul, you being from Chicago, Zach, you being from Detroit, I'm going to ask Zach here first. For Detroit, started in the mid to late 1980s and early 90s. And darker, aggressive, faster, but more minimal. Um, pioneers like the Belleville 3. Yes, I did do my research. Fucking love that shit, man. So cool. Um, you know, Juan Atkins, Kevin Saunderson, of course, Derek May, Eddie Folks, Jeff Mills, just to name a few. I mean, the list goes on and on. That's another great part of Detroit, too. You know, put Carl Craig stage on and all that stuff. I love yeah. that. But my question is, the important musical elements of techno, you know what I mean? The simplicity of it, the things I mentioned. How do these elements play into the scene today on a production level and also from a social standpoint? I mean, the way that everything they paved the way for what we were doing today, uh, whether it comes to... Uh, kick drums solid kick drums if you want yeah. to talk the production you know what i mean yeah um and the music itself you know the driving techno the minimal stuff uh if it wasn't for those guys that you had mentioned yeah. you know paving it and giving us ideas to build off of now i mean uh, where would we really be you know what i mean Absolutely. And, and the cultural scene that they developed with this music too, right? For sure. For black culture, incredible Chicago and Detroit. And yep. it really, it really just bled over into a, a global level. Paul, you just said that like 100%. your music, your guys' music literally reaches everywhere around the world, China, UK, Chicago, Miami, Mexico, doesn't matter. 
And when you look at our, when you look at the back end of our Spotify, you see where we're popular and it's like not one place. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's all, it's all over the world pretty equally. So cool but to see that. Again, too. designed that way though, because like one thing that I came into a problem with, with Paul Anthony was I was worldly at first when I first started producing. And then as I started, you know, getting a hit record, I'm like, oh, I need to make more of these. Right. And that tended to be more American style. And then that cut me off from playing in like Romania, Bulgaria, like Russia, Budapest, and, you know, all these different places. And I started realizing, well, Electro is not big there anymore. So maybe I should not do that. And that, that's what made me, eventually I was only playing American. And it just, it kind of dwindled me down to just the United States. Mm-hmm. And it was something John Ocovima told me. He was like, yeah, I love your Electro. It's just way too American, bro. And then like just went on to a new subject. I was like, fuck, that's, that's, so that's the image I'm getting off. I need to rethink things, you know? Crazy. So, it is refreshing. When we play in Europe, it's oh, kind of yeah. refreshing playing what we play. Uh, no rules. We, yeah, exactly. You know, bringing out classics and just like really driving stuff, funky stuff. I mean, it's really fun, you know? Like, I don't want to knock America. Yeah. But when you play America, and you lose a crowd, like you're like, okay, what vocal can I play? What hip hop remake can I play? I'm in Europe. I don't fucking have that thought. I, yeah. they, 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 they come because most people don't speak English. <laughs> True. So, and, and how we look at America, because I always wondered why was electronic techno and house music so much bigger in Europe than here? Yeah. Even though it came from here, it doesn't mm-hmm. make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you go there and you realize how we have Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, California. This is how they have Paris, Bulgaria, Romania, Scotland. These are countries versus states. So each one speaks a different language or a variation of the language. So house music and techno makes more sense. It's minimal. There's not a lot of words. Like it's a universal language over there. Mm -hmm. Here, the second you don't hear Kanye West or you know yeah. 50 Cent or whoever the fuck, I'm, I'm probably using really dated <laughs> references. 21 Savage. Yeah, there you go. 21 Savage. <laughs> <laughs> you know Great, I mean? yeah. I got you. You know what I'm saying though? Like you have to play something somewhat familiar, you know, and, and that that's that's the weird shit. You know what I mean? That's where it's like, you know, it's like I love America, but I hate it too. You know what I mean? Like, because I feel like I can't be as free as I want to. And that that was another reason. When we designed Ghetto Blaster, it's like, oh, people are like, oh, that is Ghetto House. No, it, Ghetto House resembles hip-hop, hip-hop and R&B to house music. So when you don't fucking know what's going on, but you hear booty, booty, jerk, jerk, work, uh, uh, you start thinking hip-hop, regardless if that's what it is or not. Right. That's the reason that we use the vocal style sample from Ghetto music. We don't do ghetto music. We do sometimes, but not always. Yeah. But we use the ghetto style triggers of vocals because you want house music to go to the simple-minded hip-hop lover to think, damn, I, I can do this. And a lot of people come to us and they're like, fucking hate house music. Y'all do it in a different way. I like it. Wow. You know, and that's powerful. That's a next level compliment. It's definitely deep thinking. It's, it, it's simplicity as it is. It's really not that simplicity. It's actually well thought out in particular. So true. You guys, you have this incredible less is more formula. And, and I hear that too. Like in you guys' most recent track, House, that is that is like so Chicago. I, I love it. And 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 Paul, I just want to ask you, like, you know, house music in Chicago started in the mid to late 80s. And you look yeah. at all the pioneers and where it all started with actual the parties first, rather than the music coming into the scene. And then you get people like Chip E and Jack Master Funk and you know Marshall Jefferson and stuff, right? And really starting to curate the genre of disco piano, soulful lyrics. 
And I hear that all the time. Some of the spoken word stuff that you guys do. Yeah. It's just so fucking cool to hear how you guys you're feel. Talking, specifically, you're talking about Chippy. He'll be here at 10 in the morning. We're doing a track together tomorrow. Yes. See? <laughs> and you know what? Real quick, props. Of, I mean, we don't have to give props to Carl Cox. But when Carl Cox came and played a huge show at Radius last year, yeah. he apparently said, I don't want anybody else opening directly for me but Chip E, the fucking godfather of house music here in Chicago, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I'm, and you know how many people said, who the fuck is Chip E? And that's why I'm asking this question to you guys, right? Yeah, yeah, right. No, for sure. And it's funny because, like, I don't know if you noticed, too. I don't know how much you're on Spotify or whatever. But, yeah, a lot. like, a new trendy style, I would say, would be lo-fi house. If you're oh, familiar. yeah. Okay, so, like that's chippy in a nutshell like he created the genre without even realizing he created the genre that's so true i didn't even think he made about time that. to jack he made like this and you listen to these things they're very vintage sounding records now right but if you listen to lo-fi house he laid the fabric of that 30 years ago and didn't realize it <laughs> and which is awesome because they'll bring me to the the advertisement part of all this Woo! <laughs> Me and Chip E are starting a label called Footprints, and it's actually a lo-fi house label. So, that's some cutting edge shit right there. Yeah, yeah. It's I figured if I'm gonna do a because I like lo-fi house, like yeah. Mall Grab and people like this, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. House and people like this. I love these type of people, and I'm like, man, like who better to do it with than the guy who should be on the poster for the genre? And he happens to be one of my best friends. So, like, thanks to actually, thanks to him, I have to give him props. He actually saved my life, as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. And it wasn't with house music. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. It was funny. I, I had some weird medical condition going on where I couldn't feel my feet. And I was like, fuck, am I, did I do a lot of cocaine? <laughs> and the hospital's like, no, you're diabetic. And I was like, oh, oh shit. shit. Yeah. Wow. He actually made me go to the hospital. Wow. He did. Yeah, that could have really fucking ended badly. Oh, especially doing cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But li literally, like, if it wasn't for our deep conversations and him diagnosing me, I, who knows? I might be dead right now. Jesus. Well, props to Chip E. Massive shout out. Sure. That's awesome. Wow. Oh, yeah. Very Having cool. friends like him and Bad Boy Bill and a couple of these guys that are super health nuts, they completely helped me like revamp my entire diet. Yeah, they're both pretty fucking ripped, aren't they? I feel like they're like these old jacked guys that are like in great shape still. Seriously, yeah, no, totally. And both of them helped me clean up my diet, vitamins, the whole nine yards. And I've almost reversed diabetes. I'm close. Like I'm type two, so you can reverse it. But like yeah. I'm, I'm getting close. I've already lost like 80 pounds since I figured this out a year and a half ago. Holy fuck, Paul, good for you. I mean, and you said you were 400 pounds, like whenever that was, and now you're, yeah. you know, high twos or whatever. That's incredible. Yeah, 230, yeah. 230? Low twos, baby. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get to 200, man. That'd be the best. <laughs> then right? more people are going to follow you on OnlyFans, or maybe they like you how you are right now. I mean, I definitely have the chubby chasers. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, see, there's a name for it, hashtag chubby chaser. <laughs> Marketing 101. We got to find your niche audience, my man. We don't know who it is. And unless I get the surgery, I'm going to be a fucking flying squirrel with all this skin. There's that. That is too good. Yeah, we're starting up a lo-fi label. And it's cool because we're, we're bringing in, like, some of the goals of the releases are uh, – we want to revitalize his old classics like It's House, Time yeah. to Jack, Like This, all his classics. 
with all new remixes. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. he, he has a Carl Cox remix to Time to Jack. He has all these, you know, relevant people doing remixes to his stuff. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. very, very exciting to rebring that catalog back out. Congratulations to you guys. That's awesome. Thanks. And we, we have our own label called We Jack that we do also, which it's exactly what we're talking about. It's taking what we loved about the 90s house mm-hmm. and making it modern. You know, yeah, like you, you started We Jack in 2015, right? Yeah, 2015. It's been like one of these things that's been kind of spotty, I would say, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been spotty because like distribution, we had some problems with distribution. Early on, we had some issues with distribution. We came out banging and then our distributor ghosted us and then we had to gain control of our label, which is just a whole other <laughs> interview for a different time. But we got we gained control, started relaunched the label with a full mix mag uh promotion scheme, and then that turned into an interview with Mix Mag for us. Mm-hmm. And uh we, we, we released an album where we did a lot of things with like DJ Funk, Chippy, Bad Boy Bill, Robert Armani, like all the legends and then mm-hmm. us and Ron Carroll and a bunch yeah. of people like that. And then we did our own singles. And it was funny because when we went in to buy our ads for Mix Mag, it was funny how it happened. We were in London, <laughs> high as fuck. Like we were so fucking stoned. Man. And I was we, just like, well, might as well go to Mix Mag. And he was like, he's like, where are they at? I'm like, I don't know. I just fucking map quest. It's like down the street. We might as well go fucking knock on the door. <laughs> Hell yeah. With no intentions for anything, we just—I was like, I just want to go to Mix Mag. Fucking yeah. people, I'll buy a magazine. Oh uh, wait, it's not. Yeah, a store. whatever. So we knock on the door and they're like, uh, "We're not open to the public." I'm like, <laughs> it's kind of raining. Can we come in? <laughs> so we come in and they were just like, uh, uh, "Can I help you? Yeah, who are you here to see?" And, and he was high as fuck, and he's like, "We're a couple American DJs." <laughs> yeah, there you go. And they're like. Yeah. and <laughs> what the fuck do you want bro and i was like i and then quickly i was like i was like oh fuck we want to buy an ad and they go for what i go our album and i was like we had an album like we we had an album and i was like fuck you let's buy an ad fuck yeah. it i mean so it costs us 1500 bucks whatever we get to meet everyone at mix mag so we went we went into the office and we met Owen and we we went into the office and he was like so you want to buy that so what's your album about like tell me about it and I was tell, we're telling him the story like we're telling you yeah and then we named all the legends on there he's like who the fuck are you guys <laughs> how the fuck do you know Farley Jack Master Funk DJ Dion DJ Funk Chip who the fuck I never even heard of you like wow I was like you don't need to hear of us you know them <laughs> like, yeah that's right. I'm like, so here we are. And he was like, do you have time for an interview? I was like, I do. Well, I do. We have I do. Time. Yeah. yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's how, we, that's how we ended up with a full-page interview in Mixmag. It's, it's that go-get attitude. Like, you can sit here and wait for shit to come to you, and it never will. Or you can just go fucking make it happen. Yeah. That is simple and pure, and I'll see your word from you. Powerful advice, guys. It blows up in our face all the time, but there's times like that where it didn't. Yeah. You know, there's times like, people are like, get the fuck out, who the fuck are you? Get out of here. Knock on the door. This same trip, though, I'm going to tell you, we were in Amsterdam at ADE. Yeah. We we were going, we had just played a party, space disco party. And we were like, I think DJ Sneak and Jesse Rose are playing at this club. It's like a morning party. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go. Yep. So we go completely sold out, sold out, like completely fucking packed. Yeah. 
And it's like some fucking dude beating on the bongos and DJing. Like, <laughs> I'm like that's not fucking DJ Sneak or fucking or Jesse <laughs> yeah, Rose yeah. or Reva Star. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. so, so I was like, hey, who's the promoter? I'm, I'm like, you know, the Chicago asshole guy. I'm like, right, 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 right. Who the fuck's the promoter? I paid to yeah. get in here. I want to, I want to see Carlos. I want to see DJ Sneak. That's my boy. He was like, that's your boy. I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, he's like, I'm sorry to tell you, man, but they're stuck in Madrid. They thought the party's tomorrow. Yeah, they got he's the like, dates mixed up. Yeah, he's like, so I don't really know what to do. Like, <laughs> I just got this local guy on. The crowd's waiting for someone. I'm like, he's like, you got any headliners you know of? I go, we got our USBs on us. I was like, yeah, um, you know it. I pulled up my phone. I go, this is us. Read about us. Let's and go. He, he walks away with my phone, comes back. He was like, I just called my friend in Bulgaria. He's like, are one of you Paul Anthony? I go, yeah. He goes, you used to play for my friend George in Bulgaria a lot. I go, uh -huh. oh, George. Yeah, yeah, I know him. <laughs> he was like, can you guys play for a couple hours? I go, I'll play for five hours. Yeah. So we ended up with a four-hour gig in front of a sold-out show at 8 o'clock in the morning in Amsterdam. Oh, my God. Dude, serious, man. He's like, we're playing this shit. The guy still got his bongos up there. Yeah, he left his bongos. Now, mind you, mind you, this, stuff, this is the first time I've ever done a bump of Coke in my entire life. I fucking do a bump of Coke, and I'm like, hey, man, watch out. <laughs> and finally the guy turned around the guy like snatching yeah, yeah, motherfuckers yeah, gonna yeah, break my drum Paul, he's like taking a breather he's hitting the oh, dude, my, hand, so my hands were tingling they were like holy dude. shit <laughs> all these dutch people are like who the fuck are these guys but i'm loving fucking it. bongo playing motherfuckers <laughs> that's who they are yeah, <laughs> so that's how that went down but it was cool though we actually crushed that party i i, I didn't know what to think because again this is our first time as Ghetto Blaster playing this club. And it was funny because I started with a funny record. I was like, hey, man, I don't know how this is going to go over. He was like, what are you playing? I'm like, that one with the weird African chant. <laughs> I found this, like, vocal. It's like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. like either this is going to crush or it's going to fucking flatline. And it fucking yeah. crushed. Yeah. It fucking crushed. And it was cool. It just set the tone for the day. And I think from that point on, we came back to that club every night for the next week and they was like, Oh, drinks on us. We yeah, fucking man. love you guys. VIP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you want to go in the booth? And our boy Roger Sanchez was playing. He's like, Oh, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> so we turned into like these people they didn't really know to being like celebrities there. It's yeah, kind of cool by yeah. the end of it. Oh my gosh. How many times have you guys been to ADE? Uh, three times. Three times together. Yeah. What's so I guess my, my question to you is what's the between ADE and then winter music conference? Is it oh, like a, a lot? Prostitution is legal in Amsterdam. Oh, oh. Drugs are legal in Amsterdam. Yeah, okay. Yeah, clubs really don't shut down unless people leave. Are drugs <laughs> illegal in Miami? I don't think they're illegal in Miami. Well, you definitely can't get like nitrous tanks brought to your room, which you can get in Amsterdam. <laughs> in, Am in Amsterdam, we figured out how to order nitrous tanks to the room. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that service. Yeah, dude, it's amazing. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it was crazy. I'll never forget. I was, I was again on on facebook live i was like are you guys seeing this right now and there was a dude getting arrested for fighting cops all around him and there's a dude with a backpack going three ufo balloons for 10 euros <laughs> people are huffing nitrous watching this fight going out with cops all yeah. around us they're pushing around in baby carriages down the street <laughs> next to the mushroom store you buy mushrooms right i'm like this oh, is yeah. fuck. this is amazing Amsterdam's the shit it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And it's funny. I asked my boy who's a promoter. I go, yo, when the fuck did nitrous become legal here? I've been coming here for years and it just seems a little weird that it's like that obnoxiously in the open. People literally had a baby carriage where you'd be pushing a baby carriage on the street with a tank where the baby's supposed yeah. to be and balloons tied to the arms. <laughs> I mean, it was, 
it was literally like cigars, cigarettes. It was like nitrous, <laughs> yeah. cocaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't even is... say cocaine. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, no, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> You know what I mean? So yeah, it was crazy, man. Like, and that 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 was, and I was on on my live. I'm like, are you guys fucking seeing this right now? That is a guy fighting and a guy selling nitrous next to the cop. Yeah. <laughs> I was blown away. That was, it was awesome. Wow, that's like dreamland. Jesus, it's crazy. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> God damn. So wow. that's just yeah. yeah. We didn't even talking about Paris. That's a whole other fucking conversation. I mean, I. I, I knew you guys were going to have stories, but like we're already we're way above the bar right now. So I'm, I'm going to go into the Paris story and then I'll stop and wait for more. Do it, do it, do it. I want to hear it. So we're in London. This dude doesn't realize that he fucking accidentally brought a bunch of weed on the fucking bullet train. We didn't know we had it. And you can get in trouble. There's fucking dogs sniffing. The yeah, crossing borders, right? Dude, so <laughs> we're in Paris. He's like, yo, I actually, I actually brought these joints so i was like fuck it let's smoke it we're at the club we're fucking in the back room club sold out it's our first paris show completely yeah. sold out like it's yeah. actually pretty fucking pimp wow and we're sitting in the back we're lighting up a joint no one really told us that we can't in america you can just smoke in the green room it is what yeah. it, i mean maybe you're not supposed to but most people don't give a fuck so right 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 here we're smoking a joint and he has google translate on his phone but the new one where like if you put it near the face it takes the voice and it translates it back in english yeah so he goes these fucking guys can't smoke in here because <laughs> they didn't know i had it like i had the phone by my waist like yeah. that i was just i was hoping it was just going to come up as text you know what and i mean he goes, these fucking guys can't smoke weed here <laughs> and everyone got quiet and they were like and they walked out and then he goes hey bro you can't smoke weed here i'm like uh yeah, yeah. We, we understood that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That Google Translate shit's awesome, too. I'll tell you what, I, creatively speaking, we were trying to go to the Eiffel Tower, and we couldn't convince the Uber driver to get it. He's like, I know English. I was like, reverse the fucking Google thing. He's like, all right, like, yo, we want to go to the fucking uh, Eiffel Tower. And he goes, blah, 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 blah. he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? Fuck Damn. Yeah, man. Score, bro. Yeah. Damn. I yeah, didn't know that, that actually. Man. You can actually hold it over a menu and it takes the French and it turns it, it into turns English. English. You can read out on your phone in English. Yeah. Because they didn't have anything in English in France, in Paris anyway. Right. Nothing in English. Guys, fucking cow testicles yeah. not realizing what he's eating. <laughs> Way too proud there. Yeah, they're not going to give you any English. They're going to make it difficult for the tourists, right? Well, especially oh. in France, like fucking yeah. Americans. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. We had a, people, your show was sold out there. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. I mean, it's incredible. How dope was that for you guys? Like, again, like on the global scale, your music is reaching all the way over there. You go and play a show and it's sold out. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. We, we were in London for the whole duration of the tour because we were, we were uh, doing an engineering job for someone in London. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we were making music for this person, we were based out of London. We're traveling in and out of England. And uh, that was just one of the gigs that we got. And most of our gigs were pretty good. I think the the... the <laughs> I think the Poland one was hilarious. I don't even know Poland? where it Yeah, the Poland one was fucking hilarious. We were in Jeju. I'll never forget. I was like, yo, dude, I'm fucking outside. Come here. I'm about to fight six dudes. And he was like, where the fuck are you? I'm like, I'm at the kebab place. And he looks around. There's nine kebab yeah, places dude, in the fucking Just kebab, kebab, kebab. He's like, which one are you at? I'm like, the one where people are screaming. <laughs> Which well, which re, which rewinds rewinds to Amsterdam. Yeah. I'm fucking wasted, and I'm like, oh dude, 
let's meet up, bro. He's like, where you at? I'm like, by the Heineken sign. There's fucking Heineken signs <laughs> yeah, throughout like, the whole dude, city. Yeah. Yeah. He's standing, he's like, dude, there's a fucking Heineken sign every angle I look at. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, right where I was standing, there's like five of them just right there. I was like, dude. We, we found each other. Yeah. <laughs> North Star. That's how you guys find each other. But no, nothing will ever beat traveling in Europe, man. Like that stuff is always the f- most fun because it's, it's out of your norm. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. It's so much fun. Just like being totally out of your element and enjoying life just without any limits. I totally agree. Yeah, you learn little tricks how to survive. Like when you don't know where the fuck you're at, like grabbing a business card from the lobby and just knowing that that's where the Uber should take you at all times because that's where your shit is. <laughs> you know that I mean? is good international traveling advice right there. Seriously. Probably. Like there's been yeah, anything out I- of this interview. It's grab a card from the lobby. <laughs> oh, dude, I swear to God. Like, I don't know how many times, like I remember being in Bulgaria on a Sunday where there were no fucking taxis. And I remember paying the taxi driver. I'm like, yo, man. Here's an extra hundred bucks. Wait for me. Let me finish eating. The guy just fucking dipped with my money. I'm like, motherfucker, dude. <laughs> I took the business card because I had to figure out where the fuck I was. Yeah. They you don't know? give a fuck. Not in Bulgaria. Crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> so. Jesus. But anyways, we'll wait for more questions. Sorry. Yeah. I like to jump. No, I hate. We have so many stories, bro. I have no days. agenda here, guys, except to talk to you and have a good time. And we're doing this. Awesome. No, no worries at all. I do want to go back to 2014 when you started. I want to go through this journey of you guys' music over the past seven years because, like I said, you've released so much music, well over 100 tracks, originals, remixes, collaborations. And I want to run through some of the biggest, but I also want to talk about some of from the early stages that I think you guys still really use some foundational elements in your releases today. Like I talked about your number one Beatport hit right now. So yeah. 2014, first thing I can find, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's the We Jack album, right? Yeah. 16 tracks on this with collabs people you've been mentioning dj skip andy rivera dj dion silk hurley i mean you guys came out the fucking gates with a 16 track album yeah how did you decide to do an album how did you put this together how long had you been working on it tell me the story i mean what two weeks the whole album took us to make just non-stop yeah it's non-stop and uh as far as uh, what we were trying to do was we were like, how can we create something early on and make people somewhat familiar with it? I was like, okay, well, we have a bunch of friends that are legends that we're trying to pay homage to anyways. Right. We really should incorporate everybody on this album. That's why we couldn't do a 10 track album. We were like, right. we wanted to showcase some of our own music. And then these collabs with like our legend friends, like some of our friends are just absolute legends. So we didn't want to, not put anything out so it, yeah. instead, of, instead of not like narrowing it down we, were, we said fuck it let's just put it all out mm-hmm. it's incredible and it's funny because i think to everyone we promoted it to there was one track for somebody yeah i was gonna say that honestly because you go through all of those and i liked them all but some of them i was like whoa like i really like the silk curly one or i like i like the, the variety when you guys just had your own original there was so much variety but Oh, I like I the one. There's one in there that goes, I just need some dick. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> she wants the D is what yeah. it's called. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is like, I hearted that right away, actually. Weirdly enough, that's right. <laughs> some of these fucking okay. tracks you guys have would like shock people on the dance floor. And I'm pretty sure from talking to you guys right now, that's the goal. Well, there's a, there's one radio chick from, uh, her name's Irina something from, from Greece. Mm-hmm. And she actually emailed us on our fan page. She goes, I just want to thank you. And we're like, you're welcome. What do we do? And she was like, I've gotten so much dick from playing your record. (laughs) 
where, where it would offend most people. This girl's like, I'm fucking getting laid because I'm playing records that says, I just need some dick. And they can't believe that a girl's playing this record, you know? So Unbelievable. Love that. Hell yeah. For the, for the chicks, boys. There we go. It's not just for the boys. It's for the girls. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I, another one that I found as well, underrated in my opinion, 100% of Dis and You, Armando the Ghetto Blaster remix. Oh, shit. This one, this one really like when I heard it, I just heard like a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? Like I was so happy to have found it. Honestly, I was like, damn, I felt like I found a fucking deep cut ghetto blaster track right here. I'm dropping this as soon as I can. I mean, it's funky. It's housey. It's simply yet elegant. Do you guys remember making this one? Yeah, it's a gem, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that Armando, the late Armando, he passed. He, uh, probably one of the best track makers of the nineties in Chicago. Like, yeah. That one in particular uh, was on Tracks Records, and we uh, we we had a line with Rachel Kane, the, the lady who owns Tracks Records. Mm -hmm. Yeah, screaming, screaming Rachel, and uh, we were just, hey, we remixed a bunch of shit on your label without your permission. <laughs> we're gonna send it all to you because we're just DJing it regardless. We're not gonna put it out. Right. If you want to put it out, go for it. If not, well, there's the fucking new DJ version of it for you. And she put them out. So, so like, sick. Tracks yeah, records, so much history there. I mean, I think uh, what Billboard magazine named it the most prolific uh, record label in the last 20 years. It is. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely, I mean, a lot of people have their war stories being like, oh, fuck Tracks records. They fucked me out of money, this and that. But a lot of people didn't realize maybe I should read the fine print on the contract because yeah. they would give you a contract that says, I'm going to give you $500, but we own the record for life. Totally. And that's what actually I, I was reading that in the doc, I was watching that documentary. The guy's last name was Sherman, wasn't it? Put it Larry, Larry Sherman. That was her ex-husband. That was her ex-husband. Oh, yeah. okay. They don't say that. No. Yeah, he was, I mean, he's a fucking businessman, bro. But he was fucking people over and nobody was reading the fine prints. True. Cautionary. I mean, he tale. actually, if you look at some of these interviews, some of these guys said he sits you down in the office, he goes, Look, I'm gonna do everything I can to fuck you. So make sure you read the fine print. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it doesn't get more Chicago than yeah. that. It does <laughs> yeah. not get more Chicago than no, that. No. Hey, bro, I'm going to try to fuck you at all costs. Just so you know, I'm going to put that do on the Do what you can. Do what you can, but it's not going to go in your favor. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know the whole contracts, the whole deals. I think that owning someone's record for life is probably pretty obnoxious. I think that they're, we, we do a lot of contracts that are like, you own our records for X amount of years. You don't own it forever. It's just a certain amount of thing. You're like basically leasing my track for X amount of years. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So I, I guess that's kind of like what you try to look for these days in contracts. You definitely try to like not sign your shit away for life unless they're giving you a ridiculous amount of money. Right. I mean, and it all goes back into some sort of music industry economy, right? Like it just circulates. So that is good advice as well, guys. A lot of people get fucked on that. But this other one here, look at you. Featuring Donnie Lesko. And I want to say this guy's name right. Z-Y-X-X. Zix? Z-X-X. Z-X-X. Yes. This one is another timeless track. Like, yeah. this could do well anywhere worldwide at any time. Sunset in Ibiza. 2 a.m. in Chicago. Yeah. Fucking at 10 p.m. in Berlin. I don't give a shit where it gets played. It would do well. Yeah. Love this one. That, and I hear so part. much Ghetto Blaster in it. Like, it's got oh, yeah. both of you in there. Yeah, totally. And Z and... And Donnie Lesko. Donnie Lesko was in love with this girl. 
And uh, he was like, he, he, I guess he fucked her at movement festival. Yeah. It's really what came <laughs> out. Listen to the vocals. He's talking about how he hooked up with her at the studio. And, yes. Uh, yeah. And it, it's a real story. Like Donnie is a genius at writing lyrics. He's one of the most underrated singers, I think, out of Chicago, actually. Like he does a lot of like R&B and Top 40 stuff. And I was like, bro, let's do house music because your stuff works for house as well. Yes. And we, we sat there with him. How long? I mean, we all afternoon, we yeah. revised the vocals until, it, until the tempo made sense to not R&B tempo, but to house tempo, which means you got to take words out. With five of us in the with, yeah, with five of us in the room, one with a college diploma, one with not, we came up with, with sentences that made sense. That's an awesome story. Love that track. And then 2016, just to round out, 2014s and 2016s, "Shy Till I Die," released on SNS Chicago, Steve Silk Hurley and Shannon DJ Skips label. What an iconic label! There we go. There's the fucking giant. There's the Red Bull. Expect nothing less than the biggest Red Bull you can get. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, With freak. a funk junk shirt on too. Love it. Shout out to Larry. Hell yeah, shout out to Larry. <laughs> but I want to hear about this album, guys, because I mean your guys' quality productions have always been there. But this was 21 tracks. We've got people like Marshall Jefferson on here, of course, movie body producer, Kid Enigma. Shout out to Kid Enigma, Porn and Chicken, DJ Skip. I mean, this was really cool because you did it again. You just did it again, except more tracks, new artists, still a lot of pioneers is incredible. I think our biggest intentions on all these albums was always let's put out 16, 20, whatever tracks. And then for the next year, let's get remixed to all of them and make this record last for two years. Yep. Yes. We yep. never come back with remixes. We just make more 20 track albums. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days we're going to yeah. come back and do remixes of everything. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I have to run out of ideas first. Is that ever going to happen? No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Incredible, though. I mean, so 2014 to 2016, you guys put out a ton of music here. Yeah. Gained lots of steam, starting to really pick things up. 2017 through 2019. I mean, starting to get to that 2020 moment we talked about in the beginning of the interview. Yeah. Bigger shows, global audience, massive releases, so much fucking music. Like, you pump the market. Psycho Disco releases, Treasure Fingers label, shout out Treasure Fingers, uh, including yeah, Yellow Booty. The first people to sign us outside of our own label yeah really yeah yeah i went to see him at a show in denver when i was living in denver where's where's atlanta he, right he's out of atlanta, atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah he was playing in denver for the hundred for option four mm -hmm. and uh I'm friends with all those guys so i was like hey i'm gonna go to the show and meet treasure fingers again and i i had done a little research on treasure fingers i liked his label he liked his label i was like let's get definitely give him a flash drive but let me figure out more about this guy. Then I found out he was part of Evil Intent, the drum and bass group from the 90s. Yeah. Mm. And I was a big rave DJ in the 90s. So I'm like, I fucking know this guy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so when I went there, I was like, yo, Paul Anthony from the rave days. He was like, oh, shit. And then we just clicked. Like, that, that's the homie. Ashley's the homie. Yeah. It's so awesome. He said, yeah, he said, we, we gave him a flash drive. I gave him, because you weren't there. Yeah. You, you were in Michigan. Yeah. Right? And I gave him a flash drive, and he signed some of our tracks right yeah. out, out the gate. So, yeah. Great label that he's built, too. I mean, so many big artists, so many big tracks on that. I have to give him credit, man. He's really good at uh, taking a chance on new guys. Yeah. That will be the next guy. Yep. Like he's, he's got a good, in my opinion, out of all, a lot of people go for the big names. They go for the names that are already doing shit. He's good at finding the guys who are grassroots that are going to be the next thing. Almost everyone that he put out early on is somebody. Mm -hmm. it's, that's so true. Couldn't he's agree great more. 
I mean, I discover a lot of artists on that label. A lot of artists. My favorite Psycho Disco release from you guys, though, Tweak the 303. Hey, nice. Oh yeah. With Missy. What was it? I want to talk about Missy really quick because you guys have released so much. You missed her. She just brought me the Red Bull. That's your girlfriend, right? Yes. She's fucking rad. Like she she is incredible on these tracks. What was it? How did you guys meet? When did you start making music with her? Well, when Zach asked me to move here, Mm -hmm. we were we were working on music and I was fresh here in Grand Rapids, and it was one of these things where I had a deal through our manager at the time that said that Todd Terry wanted something from us. He liked one of our tracks, but was like, yo, like we want an EP from this guy. I had no vocals. I had just moved here. I wasn't working with any vocalists yet. Right. And I had met her the week before. I said, hey, you said you can do vocals. Here's your chance. Can you come over right now? She's like, I got to work. I was like, well, call off and come do vocals or lose every opportunity you ever could have to do vocals for me because I need somebody (laughs) right now. Yeah. And it was either that or wake up Steve Gerard at fucking three in the morning <laughs> or whatever. The fuck, you know, he's they, up. He'll be up. Yeah. <laughs> Which that brings us to finger bang. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, 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 that was on here too. That later, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that <fucking laughs> so basically, uh, she came over. She called off work and came over, and we did a record together. And Todd Terry picked it up the next day, and in a matter of three weeks, we hit number one on track source. Mm-hmm. With her first record. And how many tracks have you guys released with her at this point now? Fuck if I know. We have hundreds made. We have hundreds made. I don't know. I keep forgetting how many we put out. We have a record coming out every week. So cool. I mean, it's just really like the releases you guys have had on Psycho Disco. I mean, props to Treasure Fingers. Props to you guys. You guys have really, in my eyes, like helped kind of shape that label in the beginning days, all the releases you've had on there with (laughs) tracks like Fingerbane. Shout out to Cervante. Uh, I mean, that was a funny story. We left the club club night that he was hosting, and some girl like told his wife, "God, you see Paul scratch? <laughs> Can you imagine what that would feel like?" And she was like, "Uh, no, it's my <laughs> husband's best friend." And she was like, "I can imagine what it feel like to get finger banged." Yeah. So oh back, back to the club, and my girl's like, "Oh my God, gotta hear this!" Like, we yeah. gotta hear what this girl is singing. So I called Steve at four in the morning. I go, "Bro, I need you to say." I want a finger bang. Yeah. Like, oh, no problem, dude. I got yeah. you. <laughs> no problem. That's all. Okay, no worries. I can only imagine what his girlfriend was thinking. <laughs> Some guy just called my fucking boyfriend and said at four in the morning, I want you to talk about finger bang. God damn. That is hilarious. Again, this is probably the best interview. Ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our music is so fucking comical. Guys, it's unbelievable. That's what I try and do with this podcast is like just bring out old memories, go through your music. Like I, I try and be like an investigative journalist and and just try and really dig deep. And it's and just like pandemic is hard because like you were saying, you were you were asking me the hard for us, kind of because our music is party music. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. We do make songs like H O U S E. That's number one right now. That's a song. That that is house music. Yep. But generally, in between our house music songs, we put out a lot of party music. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, I don't know, without parties, it's weird. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. Perfect. I mean, talk about party music. Like, a track like 4 a.m. with Missy on Ferris Wheel, shout out to Gene. Yeah. That's something I want to fucking play at the club, man. Like, No, right? I hadn't heard that song in so long. Those lyrics... Like, just being in Chicago, you know, like, I'm downtown, like, I'm on Lake Street. 
I'm looking for the party. I want to know where the afters is. I want to know where the afters are, dude. Like, I just heard Gene Ferris and Derek Carter on the decks tonight. I was, like, laughing because it was so good. Hell, yeah. That's so fucking sick. Like, that's something you want to play at a party. You want to know a secret about that record? Yeah. The DJ names were altered, like, 20 times. (laughs) Yeah, we're like, who the fuck are we going to shop this record to? I'm like, whoever it is, we got to say their fucking name. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you guys got a marketing bone built in your body. That is fucking hilarious. <laughs> so I think the funniest thing, though, is I played the version with the other DJ's names when we opened for Gene. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, fuck, I hope he didn't hear that. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, you know. You've got like five or six versions of a track. I don't know, just be, you know, it's happened before. Oh, shit, wrong one. Yeah, Paul, you know, like the Electro days when it was like, welcome to the jungle, bitch, but it would be welcome to Chicago, welcome to New York, like all that shit. You gotta, oh, yeah. That'd be like you playing the wrong city, right? Oh, dude. I've actually done tours where I'm like 15 days on tour. I'm like, what's up, Minneapolis? You're like, bro, you're in Utah. I'm like, Utah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm 32 bottles of vodka in on 45 days. I hope you can bear with me. <laughs> I'm a little fucked up right now. <laughs> Minneapolis. Uh, Feels like Minneapolis. Oh, dude. I've done that so many. I've done it in Europe before. I'm like, where are you? He's like, bro, we're not in France. Yeah. They don't speak the language. <laughs> so. They don't know. Yeah, they just feel your energy. Because <laughs> Zoom tight. <laughs> so sick. So la- oh, last. One of the best stories in Europe ever. Yeah. One of the well, there's a lot. Yeah. We're walking into to customs the last time we were there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this fucking guy. Yeah. Fucking tired as fuck, retarded as fuck. We came off a party going to Europe. Yeah. So I can get there, and there's the, the automatic passport scan where you don't need to go to a person anymore. Mm-hmm. And you got to take your hat off and your glasses up. Well, he doesn't wear glasses, so the machine's going like this. Like this. Yeah. So he's over there. He's like... Good day. Good day. <laughs> Hello. 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 I'm like, it's taking forever to get through this thing. It means take your fucking hat off. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. He's like, good day. Hello. Welcome. Oh, Zachary. Hello. <laughs> I laugh. Brain dead. I'm still laughing. It's been fucking two years. I'm still laughing, bro. I'm still dying laughing. Yeah. It's 2019. I'm like, damn, this machine's polite as hell. <laughs> that is so fucking funny. Yeah, the global entry, right? <laughs> Whatever it is. Good day, Zachary. Welcome. 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 How many times do I have to say hello here? <laughs> Fuck, that's funny. <laughs> Incredible. Jesus, guys. So, <laughs> 2020 through now. This is where shit is really like hit the next level. You talked about it beginning the labels. I mean, we're talking Dirty Bird. We're talking Defected. We're talking Confession. We're talking Space Disco. We're talking Super Fet. Like next level, guys. Like, I mean, you guys know, I, I, don't, I don't need to toot your own horn anymore, but like you fucking are making it. You've done it. Like you're hitting this global scene with your style of music. So oh, like, that's, our, it's a, that's our ghostwriter. That's not us. That's not you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just all 2020 <laughs> stuff. Yeah, you didn't write it. That was all Steve. <laughs> totally, dude. I, mean, I still I mean, got chap lips from sucking that dick making yeah. that happen. 
just, no, thanks, man. Yeah. Like, literally, it's been a fucking grind, bro. Like, it's just cool to see. It's just really fucking cool to see, guys. I mean, like, I didn't even mention all of them. Basement Leak, Shibusan, Box of Cats. You just released on Circus, too. I mean... We got two more releases coming out on Shibusan's label, too. too. So it was going to be one EP with three tracks, but we did it with multiple artists. So we were like, let's do two separate EPs. Right. So when you release on these types of labels, right? Of course, like Dirty Bird is American based. Defected, by the way, love this beat. Um, I had it. I interviewed Steve. I've interviewed Steve twice, and we talked a lot about it on his last interview. So I, I heard all about how it came together. And I guess while I'm on that, we've talked about Steve a lot. When did you guys first meet Steve? Like, how do you? How much do you guys love working with him in the studio? He's such a versatile producer in his own right, too. I remember him from when he was a kid. When did yeah. you remember him? Oh, we went and saw him play. Because we we're... Who, the, who were we going to? So he met him since we started Ghetto Blaster. Yeah. I yeah. knew him since, like, fucking Zero Gravity. Holy shit. Because they were starting to implement rave DJs at Zero Gravity, so I came into headline, and he was one of the residents there yeah. in Nitro and fucking... Yeah. All these types, which is funny because all these were like total commercial clubs that I'm a rave DJ being like, cool, give me a thousand bucks. I'll play music you'll hate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, cool, techno. And everyone's like, what the, who is this guy? I'm like, just turn the fucking phone machine on and shut the yeah, fuck up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so champagne lounge, fuck. Wow. I think I made out with Dom in the champagne lounge. Oh. Why not? Yeah. What happens in champagne lounge? Say <laughs> the champagne lounge. <laughs> Yeah, but that was uh, that. That's what I missed. So it was years ago. It was far before we started this. As far as the studio goes, it was kind of fun when it came to Steve because I didn't know he made music. I had no fucking clue. Really? Yeah, he was like, "Yo, you want to see some music I made?" I was like, "Yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah, let's hear it." And I'm like, "Oh, this isn't half bad." Yeah. And I just I always say that because like I get so many fucking demos, I don't think about it, and then I actually listen to one. I was because I actually shut the fuck up and listened to it for once, and I was like. <laughs> oh this is pretty good this is actually really good i'm like wow dude i'm impressed i thought you were a dumbstep guy where's this fucking house coming from well yeah, yeah. i don't know <laughs> I'm like, okay cool and like he always like acts like it's not a big deal but he's actually a really dope producer so like he does but yeah he, he acts like he doesn't care but he's really dope yeah he does i i tell That's him just every time. i'm just yeah. like he needs to make, I, I, I think good. he takes himself seriously now but at one point i was like bro you should get serious about this you're actually really good like you're really dope yeah, and he's an incredible DJ too. Oh fuck yeah! Any, any occasion, any occasion—opening, closing, headlining, or setting up a room, reading a room—like he's fucking fantastic. He's I mean, I I personally think he's the best DJ in Chicago, like in in house music at least in techno. I mean, oh yeah, no, for sure, man. You know, I had the one thing I have to say too. After touring for over twenty years, I believe it's. Uh, it's funny when you start traveling out and I'm not bashing any country, any city, any fucking anywhere, but yeah. the level of a good DJ in Chicago mm-hmm. is so much tremendously higher than any other city or country in the world. And people can argue with me all they want. I don't give a fuck. I've been everywhere. I've been to over a hundred countries. Yeah. The bedroom DJ in Chicago is better than most headliners out of other countries. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know if it's because DJing has been a thing longer in Chicago than most cities or what, but like there's so many underrated, amazing, like, like uh, on the commercial level, DJ Gordo out of Chicago. Oh yeah. He's fucking Bro, incredible. Gordo or like Gio from, they, they have a group that does music, but he as a local DJ, like as an everything DJ, these guys are some of the best DJs ever, 
ever. I don't give a fuck what anyone said. Hands down, if they want to do Just House, they can do Just House. These guys are yeah. incredible. And to try to explain that to someone who's an international touring DJ, I'm like, bro, I know fucking local DJs that smoke you. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to hear that. You know, they don't even know what to say. They're like, are you serious? They go, bro, like everyone, they're like, dude, you scratch so good. I go, bro, everybody scratches in Chicago. It's like standard. You can't even play unless you can scratch. <laughs> I mean, bringing up Gene Ferris again, he has his famous quote, if you can cut your teeth in Chicago, you can cut your teeth anywhere. And I think you 100%. Right there. 100%. And it's funny because, like, I, I remember growing up doing the rave parties. I remember the first time I got a $1,000 gig in Chicago. I was like, fuck, I kind of made it. That's a big yeah, deal. Yeah, for Chicago. sure. That's been for a one-hour set. I'm not a resident here. I just They brought me in for 1000 bucks, and I drove 10 minutes. That's fucking amazing. I'm like, getting that here? I love when fucking people in other cities are like, yo, I got, like, 800 Yeah, fuck off, dude. I make 1000 down the street to my house, bro. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, just like, totally. once you make it in Chicago, you can't make it anywhere. I think it's just, you just have to learn how to assert yourself and market yourself. So true. Shout out to Chicago. I mean, I, I I totally agree with you there too. And, and it's, it's hard to explain to people too. Like, so how did you get the idea of traveling? I'm like, do you have any fucking traveling DJs live in Chicago? I'm sorry, you're from Nebraska, and there's like six of you here. But like in Chicago, there's six people on this block who internationally travel. There's people you never heard of in Chicago so as true. a commercial DJ who are international superstars. So true. You know, and people don't realize that. Like, it's a big deal in New York and Chicago. Like, Detroit, too. Like, these three cities have bred the most international superstar DJs ever. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. And it only continues growing. You know, I, of course, like, you guys have your pulse on the entire market here. One of the things I do with this podcast, I interview up-and-comers. And I am just continually impressed by their ability to not only be great DJs, great producers, great marketers, because you got to do it all these days, right? You can't just release. Until you get to that music. point, you have this line where you do it, you do it, you do it. Now you can afford to pay people to do it. Yeah, totally. And I mean, how long did that take for you guys to get there? I mean, some stuff we still do, some stuff we hire people to do, some stuff I don't even attempt to do. I'd rather I'd rather hire someone to fucking do my video editing than try to learn how to like. I remember yeah. one time this guy was like, "I'm trying to learn how to video." I'm like, "Why? I need you to do this. Like, we'll <laughs> hire someone for that. What the fuck? It's you know, because so I mean? you'll spend a week doing yeah. something that someone could do in two seconds. When you, you you have to learn how to assert what you're good at and how you can do to move forward quickly. You know what yeah. I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. And then you have that 19 year old kid who can video edit, who can yeah. audio edit, who can fucking master, mix, produce. The graphic design, like, there's no barrier to entry for them. They get a fucking Serato mixer when they're 15 years old for Christmas. They live in Naperville, 18 years old. They're fucking, you know, crushing it. And I'm like 10 years older than them. Like, how far behind am I? Oh, so I was headlining. I, I headlined my first party in front of 1,500 people. I was like seven, 16 or 17. I was 12 when I started. Yeah, see, that's incredible. At a time where it wasn't easy to start at 12. Like I literally, my dad would give me $3 for lunch every day and I would save all my money and borrow money from my friends at school to eat lunch. And I would yeah. take that $15 because back then you could buy a record for five bucks. So it was like, all right, cool. I could buy myself fucking, you know, three records. Mm -hmm. And my dad would take me to the record store and he was like, oh, you saved $15. Here's another 15. So I got to buy fucking six records. <laughs> and that's how I started buying records, man. It was like my, my lunch money. You know what I mean? That's so sick. You were just that obsessed. What was your first exposure to electronic music, house music? Both of you, I guess. Oh, my next door neighbor was Mickey Mix and Oliver from the Hot Mix Five. Yeah, and I went to, uh, I was dating a girl 
in college or whatever, and we went to a rave because of one of our friends in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't realize I was like listening to electronic music before that. I like kind of like there's this James Brown is dead, all this other kind of stuff. Right. That I was listening to was like dance music to me, but it was a form of electronic music too, you know? And then once I heard techno, it was just like, Game I was hooked, you know? Because to me, it was just awesome being in this like rundown warehouse, water everywhere, like, and people didn't give a shit about it. They were just there, the vibe, and just to dance. And that just touched me, you know what I mean? I was just like, holy shit, this isn't about like people getting drinks, what they look like, all this other shit. They're just here to have a good time. It touched yeah. me. Yeah. That touched me. So I, touched like, you. <laughs> I touched you. That's the culture, though, that we talked about in the beginning, Chicago and and detroit like the music creates this culture yeah it's incredible when you guys have these releases on you know let's just over the past year right like you guys have had international releases for so much but when you get on defected when you get on space disco when you get on dirty bird when you get on confession you know these are international labels but you guys are releasing ghetto blaster music you're not like oh this would be good on defected this will be good on confession like your confession release that is the only fucking track like that on Confession. You know what and I we mean? Were, we were shocked that he wanted it, yeah. honestly. Like, yeah. Because it's fucking sick. That track is so dope. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. And it's funny, too, that that record's hilarious. Yeah. Because, so it initially happened with our friend Spin Styles. He happened to be here for a gig. We brought him in for a show because he had brought us to Kansas City. And I was like, yo, man, I need you to say some vocals. He's like, what? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I want to touch that booty, girl. I did the vocals myself. <laughs> I actually have the vocals on the track with me doing it, but I sound like shit. So I'm yeah. like, right. I go, how do you sound on the mic? He's like, let's try it. So we did. And I go, I go, I need you to do it really long and obnoxious. Go, uh, and I, I'll pitch you down. Don't worry. He's like, all right, right. Cool. get it. it. Sounded awesome. And uh, it was funny because we were going to shop the record. And he, he's like, I'm friends with the A&R at Confession. I book him for shows. Let me send it to him. I'll say, all right, cool. Send it to him. Didn't hear nothing back. So I was like, well, I'm going to send it to Dirty Bird. Yeah. So I sent it to Dirty Bird and Confession, Chami hits back, says, yo, I want the record. So I was like, yeah, he wants the record? Cool. Fuck it. I, yeah. I want to have a release on a Confession. Even though I don't play a fucking record on Confession, I thought it would be cool to have a record on Confession. Absolutely. I, I, the great label. Just because I don't play doesn't mean I like listening to it. Right, right. But yeah, I, again, I try to be a little more eclectic with what I play, so... Uh, that's the only reason I don't play like the bass housey stuff. I try to play stuff that sounds like it. I don't want to be like everybody else. So like, I try to stay away from popular shit, even though it's the inevitable at some point. But long story short, though, he picked it up. And then the next day, Darren from Dirty Bird hits him up. He's like, yo, dude, Claude wants this record. Is it available? He played it on his EDC gig. He played it here and there. Oh, he fucking God. Wanted to try. He to try. He's like, so like, we can make this a huge single. Do you want it? And I was, he's like, do, do, do you have it? I'm like, bro, I just signed it to Confession. He's like, who? I was like, Confession. This is before, like, the Dirty Bird scene and the bass yeah. house scene kind of became a thing. Right. And he was like, he was like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. I guess it's not available now. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. I, I, I gave you, like, two weeks, man. You said 14 days. Move on. Well, it was 15 days, so I moved on. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, but... It was a good problem, you know, and then and then it was funny because then Spin's like, "Fuck, I wanted to be on Dirty Bird." I'm like, "Hey, we're on Confession. That's cool too, man." You know, so it was cool. It was it was a good move. I thought that opened up some doors for me to be friends with like Dombreski and Mala, yeah. two other yeah. people that were pretty cool. Like, I think we became friends with Mala later, but yeah. I mean, it's just so cool, like seeing that 
on the international level, people will respect and recognize the music you guys are making and are like, I don't give a fuck if I got a direction of my label. This is good music. These guys are pioneers. And that's just incredible. That's what makes your music global, guys, is that you don't follow any rules. Can I tell you something hilarious? No. Yes, of course. <laughs> There's nothing more fun than knowing me and this guy are sitting down here with no shirts on, producing a track in our underwear. And I'm like, yo, I got some shit. Give me one second. We'll take a shit. I'll come back. Finish the track. And then two weeks later, I'm getting a fucking message on our fan page. I'm like, yo, Solomon's playing your record right now in front of 180,000 people. We're like, what? Yeah. I made that record when I was like half naked and half asleep. <laughs> Stopped making the record to take a shit. And I came back and now this fucking amazingly huge artist who doesn't even play my kind of music yep. just rinsed my record. Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. it has been. And, and the next day we checked Shazam because we're verified at Shazam oh, so we can see. I was like, dude, 45,000 people Shazammed it last night. What? <laughs> Two weeks later, fast forward. And remember Two weeks later, the record all of a sudden hits number not like number two or three on Beatport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'm like, do we have 300,000 plays on Spotify? And now we're at like half a million plays on Spotify because this dude played our record. Yeah. It's incredible. Crazy. Crazy as fuck. Yeah. But it's, but it's a cool feeling to know like we're making records in a home studio for, for us to play. Yep. And a big secret too, though, when I made that when I came up with the concept of that idea, that was for Relief Records and they mm-hmm. passed on it. Yep. No shit. And DJ Pierre picked it up. So that was cool. So that, it still got a win. You know what I mean? So that was cool, you know, but crazy. Story. Yeah, that was, that, 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 that's a weird story. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is exactly what I'm saying though. Like your music really just like, it, it doesn't follow any rules. Any DJ, when they want to play that shit, it goes on the USB guys. Like you said in the very beginning. People want to put your music on their USB so they can fucking play it because it's so out of the box. I almost feel like sometimes DJs might be afraid to play your music because it is so like, different. I don't know, <laughs> finger bang. You know what I mean? That's not exactly yeah. like kid friendly. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's weird too because like of the different people that we touch with our music, like Solomon and Dixon. Yep. Are two people you would never expect to play our record. But right. that same record, that same record, was played by Tiesto and Martin Garrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That same record was played by Claude Lundstrom. You never know. That's yeah. unbelievable. But, but that record doesn't fit with all of them, but it fits with all of them. <sighs> and they all play at different tempos. This guy plays it at 126. This guy plays it at 122. This guy plays it at 130. And then Ellen Alien plays it at like 140. Yeah. <laughs> same, same record at 140. You know, it's like, it's unbelievable. But it, it doesn't have vocals, so it, it does work for all. It's melodic enough for all of them to play it. It's crazy. But we didn't go in with the mentality, I want Solomon to play my record. We went right. in with, like, I want a cool record that has melody to it. Absolutely. And it's just crazy. That's so cool. And, I mean, that was going to be my next question is, you guys have really seen this scene grow, thrive. You both have been in for so long. Now you have music being played by the world's biggest DJs. You guys are blowing up in your own right. I guess in simplest forms, what has been the biggest thing you've seen change since you've gotten to the game to where you're sitting at now in your chairs? Uh, it's not even changed. Everything's come full circle. At least uh-huh. from when I first started, everything, you know, house music now is as popular as it was back then, house and techno, you know? Incredible. We've had dubstep and everything else come. And that that's where I saw changes. And now it's back to, you know, 
just coming back right to where it started again. For me, the biggest change that I've seen at least, but I started before him was to get booked, you had to put out mixtapes. Yeah. That's true. Mixtapes. Mixtapes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's going to be worth a lot of money in a few years. Holy shit. NFT is going to be worth a ton. (laughs) I want that. I want to hear that mixtape. Holy shit. That's the same one that's on my arm and tattooed because I actually sold 30,000 copies of that tape. What? Wait, wait. Come on. I need to hear this story. Chicago alone. So did you mass produce those and then hand them out? How did you even do that? Mass produce them at Audio Video Technologies out of Lumbar. I don't know if they're still there. But there was a guy named Jordan that would mass produce, produce tapes for huge artists and huge labels. And I found that guy and mass produced a bunch of mixtapes, about 100,000 mixtapes in five years. Yeah, oh. back in the day when you'd go to the raves, they'd have booths set up. Some at booths, some at flea markets, yep. record stores. I mean, everywhere. At the time, Mr. Rags was a thing in the mall. We used to yes. sell them there. I had, I had little stands at all the Mr. Rags in every mall. Holy shit, that's amazing. And I, I became a popular mixtape. The Chicago kid, man, that's unbelievable. Yeah, Chicago hustle, man. That was an easy fucking $300,000 I made on tapes. God damn. Over five years, I mean, but yeah, you know, but you, you sell stuff at a record store, typical situation. Yo, man, you guys owe me 300 bucks. Oh, uh, the, the accounting guy's not here. I'm like, cool. Well, it says you sold them. Can I take product instead? They, they let me take records. So like I had a massive record collection that I never paid for. People owed me money for mixtapes. Holy shit. Yeah. So it's crazy. Like for many years, I collected records and clothes and all kinds of shit. I didn't have to pay for a lot of stuff because of mixtapes. <laughs> and it was still promoting and it was promoting me too because people would have my mixtapes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so awesome. I'm not, I'm not the only person in Chicago that sold this shit with mixtapes. Fuck. There's people, I mean, I think Bad Boy Bill sold a million mixtapes. So like, yeah. like there's people out there who've done it bigger than me. I didn't, I didn't reinvent the wheel, but I was part of the wheel. You know what I mean? I was cool. You know what I mean? I, I caught that end of it. So that's how I used to get booked. People are like, oh, I have a business card. I'm like, my phone number's on the tape. Here you go. <laughs> no EPKs back then. You give them no. a fucking hard tape. Yeah. What's the phone number on here? Yeah, 219-924-9727. I had my phone number on here back in Indiana back the time. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious, bro. You called the number and it was a voicemail set up for bookings. Yeah. There were no cell phones. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I got booked for parties, man. And like, I don't know. It's, it, that's That was how... Like people ask you, how do you get booked for part? I'm like, I don't know, man. I started beyond grassroots. You couldn't even comprehend how I started. And there's funny because like people like Carlos, who books us in San Francisco, one of our buddies, mm-hmm. I've been playing for him since 2004. <laughs> like wow. I've been playing for maybe 2003, maybe. Like I, yeah. I've been playing for him through many aliases. You know what I mean? So it's like there's relationships with people that I've been playing for for years, years upon years. So it's like some people, it's like, how do you get booked here? Well, that's how I got booked there. How do I get booked here? Well, I got bought my record. How do I get booked here? Well, we did a really good line of cocaine in Amsterdam together. I don't know. <laughs> every, every story is different how you get a booking. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Ain't that the truth. And then I think another thing that changed too is like, as you can see, I have these massive forearms. That's, oh, yeah. That's yeah. from carrying records at airports, bro. Oh, man. Like I had to carry air, like literally 100 records to go play a gig. Yeah. You can't just take so that, that we didn't play CDs and flash drives in the yeah. 90s. We played records. Yeah, we had two pounds each and about, what, 40 of them fit into a crate. And so I had to take two crates to Europe because you can't go to Europe for a 15-city tour with 30 records because yeah. what if someone has the same records you have? 
Oh you yeah. Walk through a club with two crates. I mean, somebody knocks into you, you're like a weeble wobble, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you never, and you never, you never check your records under the plane. You had to carry them on because yeah. if your luggage got lost, you lost your fucking music and you couldn't play your gig. And some dude who paid you five grand is going to be pissed that you don't have your records. You don't have time to go fucking figure. It's your, it's your USB. You hand selected these records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not like I can go download more. Yeah, at four exactly. in the morning. Fucking, <laughs> or go shop. For yeah, yeah. Like in Greece, I'm, I'm, I'm on the <laughs> island of Mykonos in Greece, where there is no record store, and I lost <laughs> like, It's happened to me before. I've lost records. I've played the, the resident DJ's record. I'm like, bro, I gotta play. Can I play your records? I've also been to countries too in Bulgaria. I played in Plovdiv, Bulgaria. I'll never forget. I, I had gone to Varna the next night. I was going through my records. I'm like, where the fuck are all my records? While I was DJing, the resident was scared I was going to steal his job. So he started stealing my records as I was playing. So I went to the next gig. I'm like, where are half my records? I, I was drunk when I left. So I didn't realize this dude took my records out of my case. He was trying to hurt me as a DJ. What? Yeah, that was the thing. They, they called. They're like, "Yeah, we got your records." The guy thought you were going to steal his job. So yeah, when you black out with Sharpie, the names of the records too, because other DJs would. Oh come yeah, up that with... was a big thing too. Yeah, yeah. Big, big time. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody had the same tracks and everything too. I mean, this is a lot more eclectic. You know? That's what separated yourself as a DJ is the records that you would go looking for, and you try oh. and find only one of one. Oh, for sure, and and that's the crazy thing. It's like you know that's the difference between then and now. Like now, I could take fifty thousand new tracks with me. Mm-hmm. then i could take 40 80 tops what what's what's like the the process there for you when you are actually djing do you make new playlists for sets or do you go back in your mind like you you still feel like a vinyl dj sometimes because you're like i know what's gonna work i, I put it i always put it in vinyl mode because mm-hmm. I, I scratch and i like to throw it in like the turntable i'm just so used to that that idea yeah mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing. And it took me a while. I don't know how, how did you feel about it. It took me a long time to like look for music because I was so right. used to because I would look, I would tell you what color the label was. I didn't yep. even know who the fucking producer was. Yeah. I'm like, oh, where's that fucking orange record at? Yep. Right. And now I'm like, where is Johnny blah blah blah? And I'm like, I had to learn names, I had to learn producers. That was yeah. weird. And just like shopping for records compared to like, I mean, it was almost like a culture. That was almost something that I enjoyed a lot, you know, compared to right now where it's just you go online and you listen to little snippets. It was nice to actually have the full track and kind of like jump through it when you're listening to it, you know? Gramophone records. Oh, yeah. We yeah. Sell, we have some of our records at Gramophone now. We, we print some, but. Yeah. I saw, I saw that today, guys. I'm literally going to go to Gramophone this weekend and buy that shit. No, dope. Thanks, man. I've, got, I've gotten a lot more into it. I love vinyl. I have, I have a fucking record player here. And I have my parents, like my dad's original, like Michael Jackson thriller. I have my mom's talking heads. And it is just like really, really cool for me as someone who grew up in a digital age to feel the record, hear it get played and just like, let it go. I don't know. I I feel like I can't, I can't experience it like you guys did, but it does make me feel like that whole process of going to the record store, listening to the whole fucking track, saving that, bringing it to the gig knowing what worked, knowing what didn't, saving it again. And then it's just like, I don't know. It's just like having a real tangible feel to something that's sometimes intangible digitally. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> At that time too, you never just bought one copy of a record. <laughs> because too, right? if, you, if you were a real DJ, you had to have two or three because fact of the matter is you're at a gig, 20,000 people, the record starts skipping. You better have one to fucking get out of it. Or is oh, it that you just want to buy it so nobody else in the area has it? <laughs> well, I, I <laughs> you buy it out. 
I've done that. When I used to work at a record store, I was like, I'll never forget, Don't Call Me Baby by Madison Avenue came out. I bought all 30 from the record store. <laughs> and he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, no one's fucking playing this record before me. <laughs> so I've done that. <laughs> you guys have done it all, man. Yeah, no, that was a different time, though. The vinyl, the vinyl era was definitely, like, I, I got into an argument with, with someone online, I'll leave them nameless, but they were like, vinyl is terrible. The quality is fucking horrible. And I'm like, first of all, no one's buying vinyl for the quality. And if they are, they like that. They, it's yeah. not, they're not buying it not for that. They want that. Yeah. And yes, a, a digital file sounds better. Yeah. Cool, bro. Can you play a record? Because that's yeah. a little harder than playing an MP3 that you produced. <laughs> you know what I mean? Big facts. Yeah, straight mm -hmm. up. So I, I like the I like the culture of it. Like digging in a record store, like being at Gramophone Tuesday morning before the door opens, to know that that was shipment day before they were put. You were waiting for them to put the stickers on the record so you can get them first. Like I did that. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, for the They're guys different. who have done so much, what is next for you guys? I, I mean, honestly, I think Get Up last year. It, it's funny. We've been around forever and we've done a lot, but. The ghetto blaster has it. Yeah. This is a new adventure. Yeah, right. We're babies. Yeah. You're seven years in, and that's only fucking halfway compared you to know how weird it is before. for people to tell me I'm coming up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm saying like you guys are really building this great brand, but you've done you know, so humbling, much. You know how humbling it is to go from five thousand a show to someone telling you they don't want to give you five hundred for a show because you're new. It, it it's more than people can understand. Like I've already been around the world, I've already done this a couple times. So like the right. then. I actually had to erase what I did. That's a hard thing to do is to come in. Like right now, I'm not going to say who or what, but like right now, today, I dealt with someone being like, so tell me a little bit about you. I'm like, motherfucker, it's called Google. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But I, you know, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just like, you know, like, fuck you. Like, you, I've never talked to you on an interview like this before. And you found out plenty about me. You know what I mean? But Oh, yeah. I, there was lots out. You got a fucking Wikipedia. I mean, that too. You know what I mean? So, I mean, but long story short, it's like to have to get notched down to, I have to explain this. It's tough. It's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. That is humble. I don't, ex I don't expect anyone to know anything, but on the same token, it's like when I have to re-explain it to some people, it's crazy to me. You know what I mean? It's like, it's cool though. It, 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 I had, we had a PR guy, we hired a PR guy. He's like, man, I have to give you credit for 20 years. You've been coming up. I know what he means. Like you just always on the come up, but you just always on the come up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on the come up. Woo! <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just weird. I'm like, it's, I don't know. It's it's just interesting. You know what I mean? It's it's interesting. I like it. I like it. It keeps me young. It keeps me working hard. Do you have a definition of we made it? Do you know what that long term goal is? I mean, initially, my first thought of we made it, or I made it at the time was. I got a gig out of Chicago where they bought my plane ticket. They sent me a thousand bucks and I was going to a city where I didn't know anyone. I had to count on someone to pick me up. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I don't know anybody here. Yeah. It hit me. I was like, damn, this is fucking sick. Yep. And I didn't even know you could play out of town. I didn't know that was a thing. DJ right. Smith told me that. I didn't know. I got, I got a request and I went. It was cool as fuck. And I was like, I made it. I never expected to get this far. Yeah. And then when I went to Italy the first time, I fucking cried outside the airport. I'm in Milan, Italy. I'm looking around. I'm like, holy fuck. No one to talk to because I'm not big enough to fucking tour with anyone. So I'm by myself. And I started crying. I was like, 
dude, I can't read a fucking thing. <laughs> I don't understand a fucking thing. I can't believe it, it, this shit from my mom's basement got me here. This is crazy. It, it, it is still like the second you let that wear off, you're on your way down, man. It, it's a treat every time we get on the airplane, bro. Yeah. What do you say, Zach? Same thing there? Yeah. Yeah, man. Every time. I don't think there is a, I have never really set a point of this is where we made it. I just enjoy it so much, you know? Every day is, is just enjoying it. It's not even about making it. It's about enjoying the process. It's about longevity. You guys are literally redefining what longevity is about. And it's enjoying the fucking process, no matter how much success you have, right? Yeah. The process is the best part. Have you ever read the book, The Alchemist, before? I have, actually. Fucking incredible book, bro. And it's, it's about exactly that. Yep. I've literally, I get that. I get that from the book. I thought it was going to be, but that fucking journey is every bit of it. It's not cliche. I don't give a fuck what people say. It literally is all about the journey. People try to say it's cliche, but it's It's not. It's like, I mean, some people are like, oh, dude, you didn't make a million dollars. You don't drive a fucking Tesla. You don't have this. I don't need all that, man. People that don't know how to speak English know how to sing the words to my songs. That's cool as fuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's special. And that's real shit. That's not fake. That's not fucking ghostwriting. That's not buying my own record. Yep. My motherfuckers in weird countries that I've never been to know the words to my songs. And that's fucking sick. Yeah, well, man. You were producing with your left testicle hanging out and you were fucking sweating making You're this job. I probably had none on my keyboard. <laughs> when we were in ADE for the very first time, we had like people coming up to us being like, oh, you're ghetto blaster. You're ghetto blaster. Like that. I fucked that, him up. Yeah, man. I mean, that feeling, just that people outside, not even just like outside the area, outside the country, like literally they could hardly speak English and they knew who we were. We were walking down the street. He goes, I think they said our name. I'm like, probably, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't hit him because it, he, came, he came in the game a little later, so it, he didn't understand that. Yeah. And to me, I understand it, but it's still cool. It's yeah. Fuck. Yeah. It's still cool, man. I love it. You guys deserve it, man. Time, I remember I was playing party in Salt Lake City, man. I sat there. 4,000 people saw me giving out fucking CDs in the front row. It was back when CDs were a thing. You sure it wasn't uh, Minneapolis? No, it wasn't Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> I was signing CDs. I purposely didn't put anything on a CD so I could autograph each one individually. Yeah. And then I ran out of CDs and people were like, here, autograph my shoe, autograph my shirt, my chest, my kids. Like, I autographed everything. And I sat there until the last person left because I was like, dude, this is cool as fuck. That's amazing. They don't realize I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent next month, but that's cool. <laughs> I'll autograph everything for you. <laughs> now we plug your OnlyFans. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah. Come visit me and tip me big on OnlyFans. I'll even do anal. <laughs> Jesus. Unbelievable. So we're, com- we're coming off right now. We got a number one track on Beatport. Incredible track. H-O-U-S-C for Miss Missy on Superfet. Love that track, guys. We just released another one, Circus. What else do we have coming in the next few months that you can tell us about? Yeah, the Circus one is cool, too. Like, I feel bad that that one came out when it did. It was kind of on top of the other one. Yeah. Because we had a really big PR campaign behind it. A lot of people were playing that record also. Pete Tong played it. Yeah, it's good. Give it an essential tune or whatever. And Yeah. In fact, I think his exact words. Oh my God, this one's fire. <laughs> that was good. Dude, there's nothing cooler than Pete Tong saying your name, bro. Like fucking like, that's like a, it's like, that's almost like making it. Honestly. He's an idol of mine for sure. Like when you say, what, how does it feel to make it? 
I don't know. When we heard Pete Tong say our name fucking 15 times yeah. in 2020, it was pretty crazy, dude. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, that's a crazy feeling. I mean, not that like he's God or anything, but in the radio house music world, he is. Yeah. He's a God. He's incredible, man. That guy put Daft Punk on the radio first. Like, it's crazy. Like, the history that that man has. And for him to even acknowledge it, however it happened, I don't even know. That blows me away, man. Like, it's, yes. like I said, it still blows me away every time. It, it never gets old. And I love when people are like, oh, you're bragging. Fuck, no, I'm not. That's amazing. No, it's, right. it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to me. I, I tell my stories because, like, I didn't expect to get outside of my city. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> being recognized internationally is fucking nuts, bro. Like, mm-hmm. crazy shit, <laughs> you know? So cool, guys. I mean, you seriously are such an inspiration to, to me, to so many other DJs in the Midwest, internationally. I mean, you just don't give a fuck and you do what you love. And I love, I just love and admire and respect that so much, guys. So just keep people, doing people it. People try to tell us not to be crazy, too, man. Like, you know, like people are like, yo, you need, down. you need to settle down and calm down a little bit. No. I, I got on fucking Instagram one a week ago. I go, if we hit number one, yeah, I, I love that. I'm going to go naked. Yeah, and I fucking hella did it. You did. <laughs> I went naked in the fucking snow, and it was funny because I was like, "How do I blur out my ass and my dick?" <laughs> you did a good job, actually. The poor guy had to see my dick more than I ever. Oh my god! Ever. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was like, "Bro, I tried not to laugh the whole time." <laughs> I was like, "You know what's incredible, Zach?" He was like, "I found a heart-shaped blur." <laughs> the blur was in a heart shape. <laughs> I just realized that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yep. I promise you it wasn't a huge honker in the snow. It was a small one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, thanks for promising. Up quick. <laughs> I believe you. I'll take your word for it, Paul. No. <laughs> Jesus, guys. I mean, no surprises this turned into an extended interview. I just want to say thank you for taking the time. You yeah. guys are awesome. Keep fucking crushing it. Keep making music. Next time you're in Chicago, you let me know. I'll come to the music garage. I'll stay until Steve says I'm allowed to leave, which is probably never, but I want to meet you guys. I want to hang out and, and just thank you again. Oh yeah. Release releases coming up. We have, uh, yeah. All my girls with our buddy Teclo in Las Vegas. Okay. Yeah. He's also on cuff recordings and a few other labels. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we did two tracks with him that are coming on Shiva Sons basement leak. And then we did one with our local friend from Chicago jinx. If you're familiar with him. Absolutely. So him and I and Zach did a track that was initially called archer back, but we are calling it, uh, make that bounce instead. It's a little catchier. Same idea. Yeah. yeah same <laughs> shit. But uh long story short, that's coming out on basement league. Also we okay. have, we have one coming out on a supernova's label, the lapsus label. This one is a collaboration with us and Dante Saunderson. Yep. Uh, the inner city Kevin Saunderson's son. Yep. We, we did a record with him. Awesome. Um, we have a remix we did for Andre Salmon out of where's he? South, I, South Ecuador, Ecuador. Ecuador. Him and Paul Johnson did a collaboration. We did a remix to that. Also, inner cities on that as well. Okay. Um, we have a release coming out of Movell Tracks out of London and Paris. Yep. Familiar. P. We're doing. We did a two track called certified freaks this one's uh collaboration with us and plus size model out of detroit yeah featuring missy on both of those we have a mixed mag premiere coming with that as well um i mean yeah Car- Car- karsten solaris 
Yes. Yeah, we yeah, he's starting his yeah, label. He's starting a yeah, label. Solar Systems, right? Yeah. Yeah, we did a remix for the first one that's coming out in a couple weeks. Yeah. He's been grinding too for a year oh, now. Yeah. Wow. Hands down, bro. That and then we have another one coming out on Super Fet. We have a remix coming out for Hinteras. We have a ton of records coming out. We're literally every couple oh, weeks. Whole, whole years worth of music right now. Oh, so that's all in the next two months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... That's crazy, man. And and I can't really say who or what, but we have some really, 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 really huge things coming too that are we had just haven't signed the paperwork yet, but sure. it's in the process. Yeah. Of some really, really huge like bucket list labels. So definitely a bright year ahead of us. So. What bucket list labels? What the fuck else is left? Couple. Yeah. <laughs> okay, couple. Spinning, Armada, things like that. <laughs> but Nothing's no no ink is dry, so Fair these things, these things can change. But lots to look that, forward to, though. Definitely some huge things. Actually, one I want to plug to for SNS Records. We did a remix for uh, for Gucci Man and Little Baby. They have they have the rights to one of their songs, and we did an official remix. But it got overshadowed by all this other shit that we did, and there wasn't yeah. the right car behind it. So we're gonna reissue that. But this time it's going to come with new versions of we're doing uh Jamie Principal Baby Wants the Ride, who he initially did that with Frankie Knuckles. We're remixing that again, yeah. We're, we're redoing Jack Your Body and a few other things that were on that one album, but we're doing yeah. new versions along with that remix for Gucci Man and Lil Baby. So that's going to come out again. That's coming up soon. Wow, Holy on SNS Records, but again, to there, SNS. there's going to be a lot of uh album only tracks on there that you can't get anywhere except for that album specifically so wow so yeah there's a bunch of stuff in the works you know what i mean like like i said oh we have four tracks we actually have a whole album we did with dj dion out of chicago Mm -hmm. but specifically we did four tracks that we just signed to dj house's label out of london Mm -hmm. so that's coming and we also have an album that we did with uh dj godfather to detroit coming on his label and we have two collaborations with dj glenn from brazil yep one featuring MC Flipside from Toronto, the other one featuring the legend Fast Eddie. Fast Eddie? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And the the vocals from we we licensed it from the Yo Yo Get Funky. Yeah. It goes, I'm about to get ill, so here's the deal. Pay close attention because I'm for real. You keep on dancing and shaking it. This time I'm using up, I'll keep on making. It. That's the line that we used. So sick. It's gonna be a fucking heater, bro. So yeah, long story short, we have a shit ton of music coming up. <laughs> <laughs> not a bunch a shit ton a shit yeah. ton we, actually we have another one called ghetto superstar featuring missy with our friend ice cream out of san francisco okay that one that one's fucking ill yeah. like it, i wanted to say retarded but that's probably gonna offend somebody <laughs> yeah. so it's not that it's really cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a kid-friendly show that's really cool it's really cool hell yeah man so awesome Jesus unbelievable guys this has been so much fun one of my favorite interviews ever with the fucking legends right here ghetto blaster guys thank you remix for dateless too forgot about that oh, yeah, yeah. Music. are you sure are. is everything out of your system we can keep going here what else anything? Yeah, chalkboard way back there yeah there's yeah, whole, yeah there's a whole list of shit up there that's still in the works yeah. plus, the stuff, plus a lot of lamps too okay yeah the <laughs> stuff with uh chippy tomorrow we did a remix of his It's House that's going to have like, I, I think I think I heard him say Will Clark's on that and a few other people. We got a lot of, sh- lot of shit coming out, man. Like, it's just like, like, like you said, we just worked this whole pandemic, dude. And, and it's all going to come out. So 
unbelievable. Keep fucking going, guys. I can't Thanks. wait to see it. I can't wait to see DJ again live too. I need that. I do. I can't yeah, wait too, man. Yeah. I'm tired of fucking DJing for a camera. It's it's funny. Like we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'll take my selfie. I'm like, turn around. It's just Missy sitting on the couch with the dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's like I'm excited, but I'm not excited because she's over here like playing solitaire on her phone. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ripping it. Yeah, we've so. done it this long. We can wait a little bit longer. It'll be the right time for us when it comes. Have you done any live streams yourself? Yeah, I've done some live streams. I try. I tried to like keep myself entertained with like I recorded, you know, some sets and shared them on YouTube later, and did a few different ones. A house one. Uh, I even did like a EDM classics one. And I mean, I miss DJing live too. Bad. We've had a couple moments where we were like, someone's like, "Why the fuck are they whispering? We can't hear them." <laughs> it's just so funny, man. The whole like live stream bloopers, man. We've done a handful. Of, we've done the ones on. We did one for Dirty Bird. We did one for Desert Hearts. Gene. One, one for Gene. One for Insomniac. We I mean, a, they're they're fun. Paxaha. The Paxaha one. We did the movement at home. That was yes. That was cool. I'm not gonna. I don't know if you saw our set. I did. You guys crushed. You did it there, didn't you? Like I recognized yeah, your yeah. backdrop. Well, that yeah. was the one, but we did one from our basement for the actual movement weekend. Right. That was crazy, bro. On Twitch, Beatport had twenty six thousand people signed in at one time. That was Holy the shit. Machine in my life. We started off at eighteen thousand people, and it went up to twenty six thousand people during our setup. That was incredible. Mm -hmm. It is the power of the live stream. And that wasn't our third live stream ever. So it was weird for us to see this. We're like, dude, is this real? Like, is that really? Is that that many people? Or is it a bunch of fucking gamer nerds? I don't know. <laughs> we didn't know. We didn't know. But either way, it was cool though, man. But yeah, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing. So. I think they'll continue, but we're all just kind of waiting to get back to the shows. But I, I don't know. We've persevered. The industry has persevered. And that's just been great to see. Yeah, we've, yeah. Been, we've been sitting in the studio since the pandemic. Like Sometimes we ask ourselves, fuck, is this real? Because we've just been here. We have yeah, I, I feel you. I've been in my apartment. I guess it's really real, but it's, it's just crazy because like being in this game for this long, it's so weird that the shit's been shut down this long. It's weird. Man. Yeah, it's strange. I know. I, mean, I, don't bring, uh, I don't want to bring the conversation on a bad note. This is <laughs> weird shit, man. It's a weird time, so... Nah, it's all good, guys. I've become quite the chef, though. Follow me on fucking DankFood69 on Instagram. DankFood69, fuck yeah. Yeah, check it out, dude. I got some really delicious food on there. <laughs> Are you tricking me right now? No, no. no. <laughs> he, he started an Instagram. Yeah, come on. You know, he could have been tricking me there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to follow us after this. I will. I will. I promise. But it's a private message, so I believe you. Okay. No dick pics. No no dick pics. I have to pay for those. All right, for sure. You have to pay for those. I got a nice Jewish schmeckle, so it gets the job done. Oh, <laughs> big shout out, too, to my buddy, Shade, Sage Armstrong. Yeah? Yeah, he made me this hoodie. Check this shit out. Woo! This guy is such an awesome artist outside of making music. Like, he's a crazy, crazy, like, fashion designer. Is he always wearing his own stuff? Because I feel like he is really good swag. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I saw you wearing that in the beginning. That's sick. Yeah, yeah, totally, dude. Shout out to Sage Armstrong. Oh, damn. I love that. Yeah, he snapped, bro. I love it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, shout out to Sage for the, the awesome hoodie. Shout out to Sage. Shout out to Dank Food 69 Shout out to Paul's OnlyFan. 
Shout out to wet testicles and sticky testicles. Everybody supports us too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to Steve Gerard. Shout out to fucking Chicago and Techno House Legends. And shout out to you guys, man. All right, man. Joe. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. It was such a pleasure talking and meeting you. Oh, yeah, for sure. You too, bro. Yeah, you too. Man. Talk to you soon, guys. Have a good night. You yeah, too. You too.